0: Hi, I'm Catherine McNamara from Shadowhunters, Arrow, and Untitled Horror Movie, and you're listening to Kneel Before Pod.
1: Kneel Before Blog presents... Kneel Before Pod.
2: Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that isn't as invincible as it would like to believe. I'm your host, Craig, and this is the monthly chat about the news and trailers from the previous month. And my news victim for this month is Angus. Hello. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I am okay. Full disclosure to listeners. I don't know if this will put you off, but I have caught the COVID. It has claimed me despite all my best efforts to avoid it. I have caught it and I am suffering with it. But I'm still here podcasting, so isn't that dedication? It's like Thanos. Inevitable. Inevitable, yeah. But regardless of what YouTube would have you believe, it cannot be transmitted through digital lines, so you will not catch COVID by listening <laughs> to this podcast. You may catch COVID while listening to this podcast, but it won't be
3: related. I assure you. It's good to know. The people that already believe that are too far gone. <laughs> they won't be swayed by that message. No, they will leave what they want to
2: believe and they'll get on with it. But yeah, March 2022. But before we get into it, let us just do our usual roundup of what we've been watching and what we might be plugging. So what have you been
3: watching? What's been in front of your eyes over the past little while? For a change, I feel like I've actually watched something that's quite up to date. Nice. <laughs> Normally I, I come in with been watching The Sopranos or something like that. Series that have been over for a couple of decades. I watched all of Pam and Tommy on Disney+. Plus and enjoyed it for what it was. I liked the sort of limited series and thought there were some good performances in there, especially from Seth Rogen and Sebastian Stan. I have to admit I didn't know a lot about the story, but I thought it was enjoyable as far as private property being stolen from people who maybe or maybe didn't deserve that to happen to them and distributed on the internet. It was well made and I enjoyed it.
2: And then they made that series without asking the person who had their private property stolen and put on the internet... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just life imitating art, imitating <laughs> life imitating art. We love Disney as and we watch a lot of their stuff, but they are evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that, but I've heard mixed things about it. Although the people that I know of who have watched it and didn't like it use the reasons of the conception of the show, how it came into being, as in the lack of permission and things like that. So I don't know if that colours people's opinions in any way. If you don't like it, you don't like it, obviously. And I can't say because I haven't seen it, but there were certainly people latching on to that aspect of it.
3: I wasn't so aware of that side. I'd heard people mention it on a couple of pods that I listened to, and I thought, ah, oh, I might give it a watch. And did just enjoyed the actors in it, enjoyed the performances, like the style, you know, kind of early 90s. It was quite nostalgic for that sort of thing. I thought the portrayal of Tommy Lee was really good. You know, he's not a nice guy, but it was good. It was fun. And I feel good being able to report that I've watched something so recently. Well congratulations for you. being you. current for once
2: yeah. <laughs> you're possibly more current than i am actually all the stuff that i watch is stuff that people don't talk about so you're probably doing better than i am in terms of being part of the discourse although if you're not on twitter or wherever talking about it then you're not part of the discourse you're just someone who's watched it lurking on reddit is probably about as close <laughs> as i get to the discourse <laughs> yeah so you see other people talking about it and you think hmm yes i agree with you yeah But I'm not going to comment. It's the way it goes.
3: Anything else that you want to comment on? Something else that I've been watching that's quite current, mainly because Natalie was watching it and I got pulled into its orbit, is Love is Blind, a reality dating show. It's not really the kind of thing that we usually talk about on here, but because it's current, I feel like I need to brag about that as well, as that i binged two seasons of that on Netflix. What's the premise of said reality show? The premise is a group of guys all live together, a group of girls all live together, and they date through a wall in pods. So kind of one-on-one dates and getting to know each other without ever seeing each other. And the idea of the experiment is, can people fall in love without ever seeing the person that they're talking to? That seems like an okay premise. I think it's probably been done several times elsewhere. At the end of it, for some reason, there's this pressure to propose and get married within two weeks. Maybe they just kind of bolted that on at the end to up the stakes. Maybe they're just desperate. Maybe they're feeling like they have fallen this much in love with somebody that they've only just met that some of them spoiler alert do end up getting married but most of them end up realizing no it takes a lot longer to get to know someone (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's typical kind of reality tv stuff and the cliffhangers are there on netflix to just they drop something at the end of an episode you have to watch the next one to find out what happens fair enough doesn't sound like my cup of tea i really hate reality tv yeah i didn't think it would be but again because it's very recent season two (laughs) has just finished i felt the need to be able to report that Cool. Is that everything or any more for any more? There's some older stuff, stuff that's been out for a while. Doing our first watch of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, making our way through that. I find it really difficult to get into and I still don't love all of it in fact I don't know if I love or like it at all I really like the episodes that are kind of f- themed around something when they take themselves out of the, the standard setting and do something a bit conceptual and that's what I'm trying to say when there's a really strong concept I like that they did a kind of making a murderer spoof which I suppose would have been current at the time but obviously now that I'm watching it years later it's no longer current but that sort of thing when they do a very high concept episode I like those when it's just them kind of arguing with each other in the bar not so much other than that Frasier slowly making our way through that. <laughs> I'm going to mention that later on when we come to some of the topics at hand, but okay. that's more in my normal sort of wheelhouse of watch something from 30 years ago rather than up <laughs> with any new stuff or anything that's coming out now. Yeah, just give up on the modern content. You're just never going to keep up to date, so don't worry yeah, about exactly. it. Exactly. Who knows where we'll get with that. We were kind of making our way through the X-Files. That fell by the wayside. Maybe someday we'll pick it up again, and maybe the same thing will happen with Frasier. You know, we get into a bit of momentum with it, watch a few in a row, think, oh, we're, we're getting through this, and then I look and see however many seasons are left and it's or 24 episodes and <laughs> like, oh God, this is going to take forever the thing with a sitcom though is you tend to find
2: you blast through it quicker than you think because you can do basically three episodes in an hour yeah so if you watch it for a couple of hours you've done like a quarter of the season almost
3: yeah it's true and i am really enjoying it even though where we're at now is kind of mid 90s it's obviously very dated in some ways but i still find it really funny i still laugh out loud a lot of it so enjoying that and yeah, just at how hopeless they are even though they're rich and genius level intellect complaints that they've got you you cannot relate at all (laughs) and the thing with Frasier is if before
2: anybody goes to do something they just double check the understanding of what it is they're about to go and do you wouldn't have an episode yes before we leave the house let's just discuss what we think is going to happen here
3: (laughs) (laughs) such as all good sitcom writing if people only talked about what was happening or explained things to each other then 100% of the problems would be avoided yeah For sure. Is that everything? That's it. I thought I would leave that really retro one as the last piece of an update. Sure. For me, I've not been watching, it's certainly on the
2: TV side, anything remarkably different to what I normally watch. Superman and Lois, the second season, still really enjoying that. The Flash, I'm still watching it. It is okay at the moment, actually. The last two episodes have been not too bad at the time of recording. By the time this comes out, there'll be one more episode that's out, so it could be atrocious. I don't know, but... It's been okay by its standards, which probably means it's really bad by better show standards. It's grading on a curve at this point with The Flash. It's just running to the ground, pardon the pun, but it's getting another season. Those poor trapped writers are getting made to continue on for another year. <laughs> on the plus side, lots of people will keep their jobs for at least another year. So You have to applaud that at the very least. People will be employed for another year. Well, that's a positive. Mm, yeah on star trek front i've been watching discovery which is now finished chris and i recorded a podcast about that that won't be out by the time you listen to this but will be in the near future once i get the work done editing takes time and i have covid so that's slowing me down i'm just gonna keep bringing it up just for the sympathy vote just (sighs) every now and again
3: just (laughs) you need to edit in like a kind of audience ah sound no, no, it's not giving me extra work. <laughs> this podcast has been enough work as it is, which will become apparent as I'll you continue listening. to. Additional work for you to do. <laughs> yeah.
2: I've also been watching Picard the second season, and it's been okay as well. The first episode was really good. The second episode was really bad. At the time of recording, they have aired two others that are set in the past or very near our present, which are kind of slow going. Yeah, it's been okay. It's been. Watchable in places, not as bad as the first season, certainly. I continue to be less than enthusiastic about it, for the most part. But I'll keep watching it because it's Star Trek and it's mm-hmm. Picard. I'm an easy mark for these sorts of things. Doesn't matter if I don't like it; I'll still keep watching
3: it. <laughs> yes, you're the perfect audience. For, as the far perfect audience. Concerns. Yeah,
2: the I have to see it to see if I can justifiably <laughs> complain about it, which
3: is something that may
2: come up later on as well. Stay tuned, and you might yeah, find stay out. Tuned. On the film front, I saw Turning Red, the new Pixar thing that dropped on Disney+. I thought it was really good. It seems to be enjoying a bit of a controversy online somehow because people are complaining that it's about a teenage girl living in Toronto in the early 2000s and that's not relatable. You can imagine the types of people that are complaining
3: about that part of it. (laughs) That's got to be relatable to some people. There must have been quite a lot of teenage girls living in Toronto in the early 2000s. You would imagine. It's not a small place. No. And presumably that experience would have been similar for maybe teenage girls living across North America, maybe even Europe. Who knows? But it's white men around our age that are complaining that it's not a film for them. Largely. Come on, you're almost
2: (laughs) done. And yes, when I watched that, I couldn't completely understand what she was going through, but I was happy to be taken along the ride and have it shown to me what she was going through. And the turning into a giant panda thing, it's an allegory for puberty. And they even directly mention her getting her first period and things, and they're not shy about it, which I think is really not brave, but very,
3: I don't know what the correct word is. It's interesting because it's probably not the sort of thing that would have been in coming of age tales, maybe a decade ago or even longer, or maybe up until now, as we're saying, you don't see it all that often. And yet it should be discussed. It's one of these things. So many other aspects of, childhood or adolescence make their way into movies and tv why shouldn't we talk about perfectly normal bodily functions
2: there's a scene in it where she first turns into the giant panda and her mum is like oh is this what's happening to you well here's the pads here's all the stuff you need and it's like mom no you're embarrassing me i'm also a giant panda hiding behind a shower curtain and i don't want you to see me so you can easily see where they're drawing the parallel but it works really well and as a white male in his thirties, there was plenty in it for me as well in terms of finding things to enjoy, but I enjoy seeing these different perspectives.
3: It doesn't put me off the fact that, oh, I can't see myself in this film. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's good to be able to, to find things to relate to in it and also be able to see things from a different perspective.
2: Yeah. And I watched The Adam Project, the Netflix thing with Ryan Reynolds working with his younger self. It was okay in the same way that most Netflix films are okay, as in this needed a bit more work to become entirely watchable. It had an early 2000s quality to it, blockbuster-wise, which you might think is a bit charming, but it's one of those, you watch it at the cinema maybe back then and it washes over you, or you find it in a DVD bargain bin for like three quid and take it home because it's three quid, why not? I'll give it a go. And then you watch it and think, yeah, that was mildly diverting for a couple hours. It was okay. Ryan Reynolds was really good in it. Zoe Saldana was in it for a little bit. Mark Ruffalo's there. It's got a great cast and they clearly spent a lot of money on it, but it's really not the best. In terms of just blockbusters, it does have some interesting ideas about meeting your younger self and all those things. and It goes through the motions of what you would imagine that to be, but at the same time,
3: some of it was quite interesting. Probably ticks enough boxes on Netflix subscribers' algorithms, so yeah, expect more. I think it's one of those films that's
2: been sitting in development hell for years and Netflix just thought, yeah, we'll make this and spend far too much money on it. (laughs) As always with Netflix films, they put, or not as always, but as often on Netflix films, they put a minimum amount of effort in and get something out of it and then people can half-watch it while scrolling on their phones or whatever, or at least I think that's the expectation for some of these. Mm -hmm. At the cinema, before I was quarantined, I went to see Ambulance, which was okay. The Michael Bay, Jake Gyllenhaal thing where... Mm -hmm most of the film in an ambulance. It was tense at parts, but it felt like it was edited while they were driving at high speeds in a vehicle because the amount of shaky cam and stuff was just nauseating. There was some really off-putting drone camera work as well, turning upside down and flying between buildings and things. What's going on, Michael Bay? What are you up to? (laughs) I'm surprised at that, actually, because normally his editing's pretty on point. For all his flaws as a filmmaker, the Transformers movies and so on, most of the time
3: you can follow what's going on. I don't know. I think with those Transformers films, that was one of those things that I found, obviously it was never going to be as straightforward and blocky and badly staged as the cartoons, but with the sheer amount of CGI hitting CGI, I found it quite easy to miss exactly what was going on there. Maybe that was just me. Yeah, but the editing was quite clean most of the time. All I know about Ambulance, I think we talked about the trailer months ago. We did, yeah. Don't know a whole lot more, but I feel like I might have seen most of what happens in that trailer.
2: Yeah, it won't surprise you in any way. And the characters are all pretty broadly drawn archetypes of who they're supposed to be. And there's some really obvious foreshadowing. There's even a bit where a hair clip that's made reference to early in the film becomes important later in the film. Isa Gonzalez, she's very good in it. Jake Gyllenhaal, he's all right. He's not being challenged in any way. He does Jake Gyllenhaal stuff. He does. As a Michael Bay type character, where they, sometimes they open their mouth and you think, What are you saying? People don't say that. <laughs> Would I recommend you pay money and watch it? Nah, probably not. But it's probably one of the smallest quote unquote Michael Bay films that has been in a while. Mm. There's only a couple of explosions in it, really. The best art house phase. Yes. <laughs> like, like, roots or I don't know if he's got indie roots. Although there are characters in the film that make reference to both The Rock and Bad Boys, which is very funny. Well, so we could be looking at a B.C.U. Maybe. It's like the Tarantino verse, where there are films that people in certain film universe watch. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, don't pay money to see it, really. Wait till it inevitably drops on streaming
3: in a few weeks. Okay, good advice. Well taken. So do you have anything to plug? Only my SoundCloud, which I believe usually appears in the show notes, and that's Gorilla Ratio. Gorilla, like the animal ratio, like the comparison of a number to another number. <laughs> All one word. I wish I could announce that I've got new stuff up on there. I am working on something at the moment that may well have dropped by the time this podcast comes out. I've been working on it for a while, though, so <laughs> no promises. <laughs> but it could be a hot new track to listen to up there um, once this is up.
2: And if not, there might be by the next time Angus With appears that, on our news podcast. You, you just never checking. know. You just keep checking. Just keep checking every time he reminds you. Yeah, Cool. My plugging is, again, the same stuff, really. I've done a couple of interviews that are not edited by the time this is released. There's just no way that's going to happen. But I interviewed a writer slash actor who was in a film called Ash Grove that was at the Glasgow Film Festival. It's a science fiction film about when water becomes toxic to the human race. Although that's not what the film's about. The film's actually about the breakdown in a marriage that's happening. Well, the end of the world's happening around them. It's one of those low-budget sci-fi things. Let's film in a contained location and have the suggestion of a catastrophic sci-fi event going on behind us. It's actually very good. It's very well done. So that interview is done. And related, he's in that film. I interviewed Sean Doyle, who also was in Star Trek Discovery over the fourth season. Again, that won't be done by the time this is out, but it will be coming soon. Great chat with him. He talks about being on The Expand, being on Star Trek, being on various things. Really cool guy. So that's what i've been doing still appearing occasionally or more than occasionally over in the we made this podcast network i appeared on the fourth episode of picard on the make it so podcast and i tend to crop up here and there whenever they need me nice i just try to avoid having to do the editing so i usually volunteer (laughs) second to do something if i'm lucky enough
3: tried and true strategy
2: doesn't always work though and i should probably edit that out in case someone listens to it and rumbles me They all know that nobody likes editing. It's the worst part of this job. (laughs) (laughs) So that's about it for plugging. For me, usual stuff, you can find me everywhere, all in the show notes. Stay tuned for those interviews if you're interested in them. If not, then stay tuned anyway, because they'll appear on your feed. Let's move on to the trailers of March 2022. We will start with the Alex Garland movie that's coming out soon called Men.
3: So what did you think of this trailer? I think it looks interesting. I think it's got a creepy atmosphere. That's obviously what they're going for. And that is true of a lot of Alex Garland stuff. I have enjoyed Ex Machina and devs. I like the cast. There's a guy in there. He's definitely one of those guys. He appears in lots of things. I haven't looked up his name. (laughs) Rory Kinnear, I think you probably mean. Yeah. like him, I like things that he's been in. And yeah, couldn't tell exactly what what this was about, but I enjoyed the atmosphere and I I was drawn to it. So what did you think? Yeah, I think it looks interesting.
2: Jesse Buckley is always really good in things she's in. We talked about the teaser last month, myself and Andrew, and it was even more vague than this. But it did the same job of giving you the suggestion of, ooh, something's going on here and it's a bit weird. Plus the Alex Garland name gets my attention because I really liked Ex Machina. I've liked the stuff he's written and Annihilation as well. Pretty good. So on the basis of his name alone and who's in it, I'm going to give it a go. It does look really creepy. Rory Kinnear looks dead creepy as well. I like how he just keeps cropping up with these little suggestive statements.
3: Yeah, I'm in the same boat, I think, based on the same name recognition and the garland brand i didn't like annihilation as much but based on those others i mentioned i would give this a go yeah annihilation was kind of one of those netflix movies wasn't
2: it it was yeah there's something good in here but needed a bit more work we'll see next trailer we have bullet train i love the look of this it looks like a lot of fun i like when brad pitt does films like this it feels like it's rare for him to just go nuts in a bit of an action flick which is weird to look at him you would think this yeah this guy's an action hero he's done tons of these and he kind of has but it also feels like he veers away from that quite often mm. so it's it's always good fun to see him in something like this it has that popular neon aesthetic that a lot of films lean into this period of time it's almost a cliche but it's not quite at the cliche point yet but it's fast approaching perhaps on a bullet train it's that fast i hope it stays confined mostly to the train because i like these claustrophobic settings and making good use of that and working within the confines of got a train with however many
3: cars we only have that as our set that's what we can use the title makes me think that it will be you never know but I, I agree i i would like to see it all within that confined environment so yeah i'm keen for this i will definitely go see it yeah i agree i think it looks stylish i agree i like when you can tell that brad pitt's having fun in a role i think in once upon a time in hollywood he was not to the same extent as this but that was the kind of thing where you just like to see him feeling himself in that I wondered if this was based on anything it gave me a feeling that it could be based on existing IP but I have no idea if that's true or not it just had that kind of we've got something to base this around do you know if that's the case?
2: i don't and i should have looked it up but okay, i didn't that's cool. may well be considering 90 percent of films that you go see are based on some kind of material yeah. it's a fair guess
3: yeah there's a good chance as you said i'm slightly wary. the trailer had all the usual beats i don't know whether or not that's just because it's a trailer and we're so used to seeing that kind of dynamic so i felt myself frowning slightly at some of those but otherwise i enjoyed the look of it and i'm already adding the staying alive cover to my playlist <laughs>
2: It's good that it's not a melancholy cover. That's refreshing, <laughs> isn't seen it? seen that.
3: That would definitely be ticking all the boxes. <laughs> yeah.
2: As we'll talk about another box ticking thing in a later trailer, but we're not there yet. The next thing we've got is not a trailer. It is a deleted scene that's been released in a film that's only been out a couple of weeks. Weird. But we have a deleted scene from The Batman. The secret's out. The Joker was introduced in the film. And there is a deleted scene that features more of the Joker. So watching this scene, I'm glad it was cut. I didn't like having the Joker in The Batman so soon. Seems like it's a fine portrayal, but it's nothing massively new. I should have talked about The Batman on the I've Been Watching bit, but I didn't. But yes, I watched it. I thought it was okay. There is a podcast about it. It will be out by the time you listen to this. So go and listen to me, Aaron, and Isaac chat about The
3: Batman. Also, there's my review. So yes, go there for all the full unabridged thoughts.
2: Yes, but this deleted scene, I wasn't keen on it. I'm glad it was cut. It would have been another five minutes on top of an obscenely long film and it doesn't give you anything that you don't get elsewhere. So I wasn't massively keen on it. Have you seen The Batman?
3: I have, yeah. From what you've said there, I feel like we're kind of on the same page about it. There were things I liked about it. I've spoken to people who liked it more than I did, but I thought it was... Over long. i know that we've just been decrying the use of downbeat covers and things although something in the way is already quite downbeat i did like that part of it i found it quite ponderous in other ways i think this scene i'm not really sure why this deleted scenes available now i found myself kind of torn on it i know that the batman throws you into it's maybe a year or something or two years into his year two yeah right his mantle as the batman and there's something about skipping straight to the joker being in Arkham and Batman going to him and consulting him in this way that I thought was kind of interesting because it is a bit like you go into a reboot of Batman and think all right I don't need the whole origin again and this is almost like skipping past that and saying yeah he's already dealt with the Joker here's their relationship. I was intrigued by that aspect of it but I'm definitely feeling the fatigue of yet another retelling of Batman so there you are I'm on the fence there's things I like about it there's things I didn't like about it a bit like how I felt about the film overall.
2: Fair enough yeah this was going to be the year we would have four different Batman on the screen at once. No, three, but The Flash has been delayed to next year, so it's only two. We're only going to get Michael Keaton and Batgirl in December, assuming that still comes out. But it was going to be
3: Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, and Robert Pattinson in one year the last few times we've talked about batman we've talked about the batman fatigue or batigue and i'm definitely feeling it now that i've seen that and even just revisiting it again with this deleted scene so not good normally i'm kind of on board and i feel like i'm, I'm trying to counterbalance y- your feeling of, of too much exposure to batman but i might be coming over to your side now
2: it will happen to everybody eventually <laughs> everybody will get sick of batman especially when all they do is do the dark and grounded could really exist take where you miss out on about 60% of his villains. But that's me bringing my own bias with me. (laughs) But it's my podcast, so I can bring my own bias with me as much as I want. Okay, let's move on to something a bit more weird. Where the Crawdads Sing. I don't really know what to make of this. It's difficult to figure out what it's about based on the trailer, although it's a survival story from what I read on IMDb. Someone who lives in the wild or something gets investigated or hunted down because someone dies that she was previously involved with, and it's either a chase story or a survival story or a combination of both. But it looks dramatic and interesting. One of the selling points is that there's an original Taylor Swift song, which feels like a bit of a throwback. It used to be you would get in trailers, possibly in Batman trailers, for example, featuring a new song by Seal or whoever. <laughs>
3: Yes, by the soundtrack album, featuring tracks inspired by and from the movie Where the Crawdads Sing.
2: Yeah, so I think it looks good. I'll probably give it a watch. They did a good job editing a trailer, for sure.
3: I don't know the book. I don't know the original material. I'd gather it was a bestseller. A worldwide phenomenon, (laughs) perhaps. Although the trailer was giving me YA vibes, I don't know why, maybe it was just because of the focus on the younger characters. It seemed like that kind of thing and it would appeal to people that YA stuff appeals to as well. That might be completely unfair, I don't know, I haven't read the book and I don't know the background. I liked seeing David Strathairn, I like him, whenever he pops up, so he's in it, (laughs) I know that much. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Daisy Edgar-Jones is making Waves as well, she was recently in that film Fresh, that Sebastian Stan was in that dropped on Disney Plus fairly recently that I haven't watched but apparently that's really good. So she's apparently very good.
3: In my brief bit of research I did off the back of this i learned that her dad is the director of sky arts and head of entertainment at sky this is probably unfair because this kind of criticism could probably be leveled at a lot of people that we're going to be discussing but just whenever something like that comes up and i just feel like the equality of opportunity in the arts is probably taking another kicking whenever somebody who (laughs) has got all the connections is about to make their big break or is just making waves that kind of thing as i say that's unfair to single out one person but that just came up in my research so i thought i would mention it Fair enough. Okay, so intrigued, but
2: have no idea what this is. Cool. (laughs) Good summary. This one, speaking of weird, we have The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Another trailer for this Nicolas Cage movie, where Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage. Apparently it's screened at a film festival, although I haven't looked up what the reactions to it were, because I don't want to know. I'll probably end up stumbling across it at some point, because it usually happens, but... I would quite like to just go in blind. I love the look of this. It looks really self-aware. Nicolas Cage becoming a spy to bring down a criminal. And it even sets up a sequel in the trailer where he says, I think this is a role that I'm really good at. I should do this again. And it's like, well, we do have more jobs for you. He's like, oh, no, 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 it wasn't serious. So could we have an entire franchise of Nicolas Cage pretending to be Nicolas Cage while bringing down criminals? <sighs> I'd be up for that to be honest but I think this looks really fun I really hope it's not one of those it's fun in theory and it's fun as a two minute trailer but when you're watching it for two hours the novelty wears off I really hope it's not that but it's Nicolas Cage's version of GCVD and that's a really good film
3: yeah we might have even been copying each other's homework here because I've got, I've got <laughs> JCVD <laughs> mentioned he's going full cage he's embracing the meta I completely agree with you where the trailer looks fun my cynical side wants to find fault with this premise <laughs> but I find myself smiling and looking at so having cool too much fun this. yeah so honestly it looks like a lot of fun. I'm with you. I want it to be fun. I can see it possibly tipping the other way. And we've seen the best bits from the trailer. But if it's just an hour and a half of Nicolas Cage doing daft stuff and and shouting and all the things that we love about him normally, this could be good.
2: Yeah, I'll do love the self awareness though, because it's well known that he spends too much money on crap,
3: isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. He sees the mannequin of himself or the whatever you'd call that and wants to buy it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Because he owns castles and things, and he got stung on a divorce, I believe, and that's why he'd done so many films, because he had to pay off this horrendous divorce where she cleaned him out, whoever it was. So there's the awareness of that. Neil Patrick Harris. I don't know if he's playing Neil Patrick Harris or if he's just playing Nicolas Cage's friend could be either i don't know if he's named the trailer i don't think so it's weird isn't it because you've got nicholas cage playing himself but you've got other actors because obviously they're actors yep. but you've got other actors playing characters
3: in a film where an actor is playing themselves yeah it is quite strange to see all these people who presumably yes just have to be a character in this world of nicholas cage <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so the awareness of All my public exploits are well known and I'm going to have fun with it. But no one has any idea what the real Nicolas Cage is like, because I think he's worked really hard to just be weird. Mm -hmm. Whenever he does interviews and stuff, that's almost like a performance in itself, because I guess he just doesn't want anybody to know who he really is as such. Which tracks, I suppose, because he refused to have the Coppola name open doors for him and things like that. So he's a strange guy.
3: Imagine if they managed to avoid having certain actors in this franchise, if it turns into that, you could end up with a kind of Expendables version where you've got Nick Cage doing all the Nick Cage stuff, Liam Neeson being the same character that he's been in every movie that he's <laughs> been in recently. So that would be quite funny, just have them all kind of turn up and do their usual shtick as a ensemble.
2: So yeah, looking really forward to this. Middle of April, I believe it's out. And yeah, I'm keen. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, it'll be out. Which could be true of any podcast. <laughs> You might be listening to this a thousand years in the future and want to know what was happening. March 2022, <laughs> you want to know what films were announced in that month. <laughs> Imagine that. I don't even want to think about it. Next up, we have Amityville in Space, which delivers what it promises. It's the Amityville horror in space. I had no idea what to take from this. I don't know if it's legitimately made like this or if it's a cultivated parody. I've seen YouTube videos with better production values But I don't know if that's deliberate or whether it is just that cheap. It's definitely not to be taken seriously. And it's kind of charming how bad it looks. But it doesn't quite confirm in this trailer whether it's genuinely that low budget or whether they're going for something real there. There's talk of nuking a black hole and that stuff. So,
3: Yeah, watching this, I felt like I'd missed something. I was hoping that you'd be able to explain what was going on here because clearly I got that whole low budget vibe. But I was like, is this from something is this a tv show that they're making a low budget movie from it i felt like there had to be something that i'd completely missed out on if this is completely standalone i understand the concept of amityville in space i recognize the house but i don't feel like the rest of the trailer really addressed the whole amityville stuff yes there was space there yes there was the amityville house but i was hoping that you'd be able to fill in the gaps for me but it doesn't sound like you'll be able to I could have researched that a bit more, but I didn't. (laughs) I feel like the trailer should have given me a better indication of if it was this deliberate, this looks like an internet parody of something, or whether it is actually, yeah, this is all the resources we had. And maybe the fact that it doesn't explain anything is also part of that just low rent here, just look at these images and (laughs) this is what this is. Yeah, look at this really awful visual effects work (laughs) and then watch this movie.
2: I don't know. But a curiosity nonetheless. (laughs) Next up is Eraser, colon, Reborn. There should be a golden rule in Hollywood. Don't remake Arnie movies without Barney in them, because it's just not going to work. This looks like the blandest, most generic action movie you could imagine. When you talked about ticking boxes, this ticks all of them. It looks like a Bourne clone about two decades late. Mm-hmm. This is how bad it looks. I'm just not enamored with any of it. It looks like there's lots of scenes of people sitting in rooms looking at screens, and then you get close-ups of camera lenses tilting, and Oh, look, we've got facial recognition on this person. We're going to find them. And there is the line in the trailer that makes it unique, that you've just been erased, which doesn't sound as good when it comes out of Dominic Sherwood's mouth than it does out coming out of Arnie's mouth. So what is this? Who is this for?
3: Yeah, I completely agree. This doesn't look like anything special at all. It looks like action by numbers. And the YouTube comments echo that. I would encourage listeners to go and check out the trailer. Maybe not even watch the trailer, but you can just scroll down and see the, the panning it's getting down there. <laughs> You've got to be the first person ever to encourage anybody to look at YouTube comments. I know, I know. The YouTube comments are usually not, uh, well, in this case, they're they're definitely not a nice place, but when they agree, you can use them to back up an argument. You can. Yeah. <laughs> if you're really that desperate to yeah, bolster know, your claims. Clutching at straws. <laughs> so yeah, I'm probably not going to watch this. Just watch the original.
2: It's alright. It's probably not one of Arnie's best, actually.
3: No, but it's still out there and still exists for you to go and enjoy, so do that instead of watching this. If I was having an all-day Arnie marathon, I don't think
2: Eraser would be on it same yeah moving on we have the dc's league of super pets we discussed the initial announcement of this many many moons ago where you seemed less enthusiastic about the concept this is the second trailer they've released the first one was a bit longer than this one this one confirms who keanu reeves is playing and he's playing batman so what do you think of this trailer that has keanu reeves as batman bonding with ace the bat hound
3: yeah i looked back at my notes from october and i thought i would just quote myself from back then here i go quote yep not a whole lot from me on this one. <laughs> so there's still not a lot from you on this one? Yes. I might bring this up later, but I'm kind of out on League of Super Pets. <laughs> okay. I think it looks really fun. The Danny Elfman Batman theme always kind of excites me. It's my favourite
2: Batman music. So I'm an easy mark for that sort I really of
3: thing. Do you like Batman?
2: Well, it's not that I don't like Batman. I think I'm misrepresented in that regard. It's just <laughs> that I think he's overused in the DC of other characters. So at least here we're focusing on the dogs or the pets. <laughs> You've got Dwayne Johnson as Crypto the Superdog, Kevin Hart as Ace the Bathound, and so on. And Keanu Reeves as Batman. He's obviously playing a dialed up parody version of Batman, which I'm all for. I like the binary chat about their loneliness. And then Ace just licks him in the face. Just, ah, oh, yeah, but we're, we don't have to be lonely because I'm a dog. It looks funny. It looks like it'll be good fun.
3: I've said my piece. I'm You've said your piece. You're super
2: pissed. <laughs> okay. I thought this might have been enough to capture your interest in um, some way.
3: I'll never be drawn into a discussion about it. Okay.
2: (laughs) Maybe once Natalie finds out it's out in cinema, she'll beg to be taken to see it. Maybe, maybe. We'll never know until it comes out later this year. I won't discuss it even then. (laughs) I'll make sure to mention it to her. (laughs) Have you heard about this film? And she like, oh my God, I have to see this. And then you'll see it (laughs) next one is one i'm not that enthusiastic about it's the bubble and i'm bringing my darkness here a little bit because i'm not a fan of Jod apatow's stuff anything of his i've seen i've found really dull i don't like his style at all and this looks like exactly his style in fact i think with this film the marketing campaign is more fun than this trailer because the marketing campaign was about cliff B six is coming out and whatever all these b-movies starring actors like karen gillan and so on so yeah there's a the sixth one of these and we're still going strong and how they all really got into that viral marketing campaign that lasted about three days before the trailer of this came out it looks like a bit of a low rent Tropic thunder i also don't like being reminded of the pandemic so heavily in films because we're still in it, and poking fun at it feels a bit iffy to me. The bubble is in reference to these actors are in a bubble while they're making this heavy CGI movie, and I don't know—does someone threaten them, or do
3: they threaten each other? I don't know. I lost interest in it pretty
2: quickly, so I wouldn't be watching this.
3: Yeah, it's interesting you should say that. I was listening to a podcast or read an article recently about pandemic art. It was to do with—is the pandemic over? Are we getting to the end of the pandemic, and how this? commentator thought that don't write a covid novel don't make a covid tv show don't make a covid film or pandemic film because as you say we're in it it's too fresh it's still happening and i agree with that it definitely made me think that watching this trailer amongst other things it looks like a great cast i have to call out iris apatow because i made that point earlier about nepotism in the arts but this is really not my humor at all i like a lot of the people that are involved. I probably slightly easier on judd apatow than you are by no means i'm a big fan by no means a completionist when it comes to his stuff but yeah just watching this yeah i was thinking not for me
2: looking at iris apatow's imdb page she's been in seven things and i think they're all judd apatow things yep (laughs) yeah that about sums it up next trailer we've got is dmz this is something else i'm equally uninterested in it's another post-apocalypse it looks like almost every other post-apocalypse we've ever seen. It's murky, it's bleak, it's hopeless, it's whatever. This is based on a comic, but most of them are, so that doesn't really differentiate it in any way. Rosario Dawson's usually good, fair enough, but I can't see me glomming onto this, can't see me watching this because I'm kind of sick of these the world is ended and we all have to live in it and stuff's happening sort of scenarios because they are Badly and boringly overused.
3: Yes, agreed. I think it looks like a very familiar concept from screen and video games. I've seen this film. I've seen this TV show. I've played this video game. Watching it, I was thinking, well, I'll probably just stick to the episodes of Community that parody this sort of idea. (laughs) I was getting it from the trailer and it's better and funnier in parody, I think. I'll maybe give The Last of Us TV show a go when that finally comes out. You think that would be more of the same? Or you think that The Last of Us brand, you'd be willing to give that a go? I'm willing to give that a go because the game's captured me in such a way, but it it runs a risk
2: of just being the same old kind of stuff. Plus, video game adaptations aren't doing so well again at the moment. Apparently, the new Mm. Halo series is mixed. Mm. I've not seen it, and I'm probably not going to. No, I haven't. But I've heard mixed things about it. From people that like Halo... I
3: saw a middling review.
2: Okay, next trailer, Roar. Anthology stories about different aspects of womanhood on Apple TV+. There's different little shorts like Kept on a Shelf, Taking Husband Back to the Shop, that kind of stuff. It looks really bizarre and funny and interesting in terms of what it's going to explore. It does that really good science fiction thing of taking ideas that you can understand and then exaggerating them so that they build a world around them. There's almost a Twilight Zone-esque quality to it. Ring that bell because we always say that about (laughs) these kinds of anthology things. Imagine a world like our own except with this change that's what a lot of this is so yeah it's a twilight zone black mirror aspect of it it looks really good the cast are great it's got a lot of great people in it and it could be a really interesting tongue-in-cheek like i say exploration of modern womanhood i guess which will probably have some white males in their 30s criticizing it on the internet for that reason
3: (laughs) thank you for that introduction (laughs) I didn't really get that this was an anthology from the trailer. I'm glad that you've explained that. It tells you, it is a series of short stories. <laughs> okay. Well I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> but what I do like, I'd noticed that half this cast they all appeared together in Glow and I really loved Glow. It's the producers of Glow, it's people that brought you Glow. It tells you that in the trailer too. actually did notice that part I must have just blinked for a very long time when it moved on to the next but I like all those actors that appear in Globe I don't know if I was intrigued enough by what I saw in this trailer and by the fact that I'm loyal to those actors that this would make me want to seek it out i don't have apple tv plus and i don't know if there was just enough about me to get its hooks into me now that you've explained to me a sentence that i could have read for myself in the trailer <laughs> this is a you've mentioned black mirror and twilight zones that sort of thing i'm a bit more interested but i still don't think that there was enough in what i saw what i managed to take in with my own eyes <laughs> to draw me in
2: are you writing the tweet right now that says, why don't
3: they make a TV show of anthologized shorts about
2: what it's like being a man in the modern day? I've got it saved in my drafts. That's good. It's, yeah. good. it's good that you're going to get that opinion out there. <laughs> I think that opinion needs to be said. I don't think we're represented enough in this world.
3: Indeed, I know. Get out
2: <laughs> but it could actually be an almost interesting counter to this as an exaggerating, I guess, the privilege that comes with being white and male and of a certain age. Possibly rich you could do all that you could do shorts based on that as well
3: i'm not coming up with it right now but i feel as if there are things that are kind of addressing that or there might be even things that we go on to discuss today i'm sure that sort of thing is in the works where yes it's that kind of postmodern. we've had it too good for too long let's expose this kind of thing we'll see we'll see what comes up later the boys we have a teaser for that
2: it's a bit more of a showing of what the season's going to be about, kind of. Butcher's getting powers. That's an interesting development, considering how against powers he actually is, although his opinion sort of evolved over the time. I like the boys, even though everything is in place for me. I hate it because it is very dark and violent and so on. But I think it toes the line between being too dark and very hopeful. And I think the Annie character, Starlight, she helps provide that perspective. So when I'm watching it, because she's there and because she... Isn't as extreme as everybody else. I'm okay with it. And then the extreme stuff I can take or leave, but I don't think it's done as gratuitously as other shows of its ilk are. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing Jensen Ackles play this douchey, violent, amoral Captain America type. There's lots of dancing in the trailer, so Aaron will like it. I didn't ask him about it, but there is lots of dancing, so he's going to love this trailer. I'm surprised he hasn't watched Peacemaker yet, just for the opening credits with the dancing John Cena. I don't know if you've seen those opening credits. I
3: haven't, but I'm always up for dancing John Cena.
2: Look it up. It's quite something.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to the boys. The
2: dancing is, yeah, it's dancing. and If you like that sort of thing, then great. And I'll be interested to see what the plot of season three is. I thought season two really dialed things up in really interesting ways.
3: So I'm on board for this. Yeah, I love the boys. It's elicited in me the most reactions of any show or film that I've watched recently. I think it's been the most jaw-dropping and legitimately funny program I've watched possibly ever, or if not that, a long time. I'd be there for this next season, day one, without having seen this trailer. The trailer is obviously good, but I'm already in. the preaching to the choir, basically, with this one. And it kind of reminds me how far behind the rest of the offerings. You know, we've talked about some fairly mediocre <laughs> trailers or trailers for what we anticipate to be fairly mediocre films or TV, and it kind of highlights to me how far behind the rest of those fall, when I think, oh yeah, The Boys is so good, so good. And that's entertainment to me, is having those kind of reactions and eliciting those emotions in me. And when I watch other stuff and I think, ah, oh, it's just isn't The Boys. Well, maybe we
2: should definitely podcast on the upcoming season of The Boys then. Because mm-hmm. we haven't done it before. We tried, but then there's issues that got in the way, technical issues and so on. But we should podcast at the end of the next season. It could yeah. be fun. If you're passionate about it, then probably worth doing.
3: Yeah, that sounds good.
2: Okay, next trailer we have Lightyear. Another teaser for that. This one was dropped at the Oscars, which was last night as of the day of recording. And I'm not going to talk about anything else that happened at the Oscars because not relevant. <laughs> But this was dropped during an ad break or something. So we've got another teaser for it. It's more of the same of what we've seen before. I think this is the third teaser. And it's also the third teaser to use that David Bowie song, Starman. Can we do a space movie without that song? That'd be great. If we, if we could just push the ball out imagination-wise and just use something else or use original music as an orchestral music, something like that. We get it. It's in space. There's other space songs even as well.
3: You clearly don't represent the Bowie estate. <laughs> yeah, obviously not. so much on that.
2: This is a Pixar movie that is actually releasing in cinemas, it seems, which is good. The film looks good. I like the robot cat sidekick thing.
3: Yes, the cat was very cute. That was my first note. And from that, I can just imagine this will be a runaway hit. It's got that ingredient. Pixar plus cute cat equals money. Yeah, they always have a sidekick and
2: looks like there'll be some laughs from that sidekick. Chris Evans looks like he has plenty of gravitas in his vocal performance, so... I'm keen for this. And it'd be good to see a Pixar movie in the cinema rather than being dumped on Disney+. Plus. It is a shame, cynically, that it has to be related to Toy Story for it to actually appear in cinemas because the Pixar movies that all got relegated to Disney+, Plus, I would have loved to have
3: seen in the cinema. I don't know why they're doing it. Are they trying to kill Pixar? I don't know. Cynical hat on again. There's got to be something about the distribution that their spreadsheets tell them. We rake in the most money this way. Yeah, pretty much. So we'll see.
2: Moving on, we have the Pentaverate. I think that's how you pronounce it. But the throwback, we have Mike Myers playing multiple roles, like the good old days. It's about one of those secret societies that really run the world, that kind of thing. That old story looks all right. I don't know if Mike Myers' style has matured in any way since the guru, I guess, was that last (laughs) thing that he did, which I didn't see. Or the love guru, is that what it was called?
3: Yeah, I think so, yeah.
2: I haven't really seen anything since the Austin Powers stuff, which... I haven't revisited because I feel like they were funny when I was 15 and Mm -hmm. might not be funny now, but maybe they've aged up well. I don't know. This looks all right. He's definitely good at creating these high concept, broadly drawn characters that all have distinct personality traits. So yeah, it could be fun.
3: (laughs) Well, here's where I was paying attention and reading during a trailer at the point at which it said, from the mind of Mike Myers, that's when all the alarm bells started ringing. (laughs) I feel bad because, yes, I'm in the same boat as you. I enjoyed the Austin Powers movies when I feel like I was the right age to enjoy them. If I was getting my first exposure to them now, would I think it was all just puerile nonsense? Possibly. You know, I still think there's room for puerile nonsense, but this trailer, no, not for me. I think, yes, I'm probably out on Mike Myers, which is a real shame because he's done so many good things. Maybe I have just aged out of it. Maybe. Did you find anything in this trailer in any way gripping? There isn't really a lot of it, actually. From the moment that Ken Jeong breaks in to the opening monologue or whatever, I just thought, no, this is not for me. <laughs>
2: Fair enough. Valid. And it's on Netflix, which probably means automatically I won't
3: watch it, even if it's good. <laughs> you won't be drawn in by the splash page or whatever they
2: no. they launch it. The running gag on this is, well, i talk about Netflix trailers and then just never watch them. <laughs> well, the Adam Project I watched for some reason. And tick, tick, boom, because I was really interested in watching it. But that's two out of... However many of these things we've talked about over the the months. So, yeah, Netflix originals aren't my kind of thing most of the time. And this will probably be no different. Next trailer, I imagine we're going to get a decent amount of chat out of this. Kenobi. So I'm going to let you start. What did you think of this trailer? And what do you think of the idea of the show and what this trailer gives you as the concept of this show? Or it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sorry, it's not called Kenobi. It's called Obi-Wan Kenobi.
3: I want to like this. I like Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. I want this show to be a success. I know that you're kind of out on The Mandalorian, possibly also Book of Boba Fett. I've watched all of The Mandalorian. I've only watched a couple of episodes of Boba Fett and and thought that it was too much of the same. I'm concerned about... yet more tattooing around with (laughs) Obi-Wan. How much more of this can we do? I'll probably give it more of a fair shake because he's in it and because I'm more interested in that character. This commentary on this about the rewrites, I just don't know where they can go. We know the beginning and end, where this series can possibly go we know exactly where he comes in we see where he picks up in star wars again i'm skeptical about exactly what we can get out of this other than just spending some more time with him but how far how wide those adventures can possibly take us i'm not sure but i will have to give it a chance because i want it to do well
2: i've got concerns about this i think the trailer looks good don't get me wrong and it'll be interesting to see and mcgregor get to play a version of obi-wan with in theory decent writing he's never been able to do that before so it'd be good for him to have some material that he can actually dig into properly rather than just spouting awful dialogue that people don't actually say but again the writing might be awful in a different way so we don't know i have concerns about the fact that it's a galaxy hopping adventure because i know it's not been explicitly stated in canon and perhaps a conversation i'll have with chris about some other revival of a character that's famous in another star franchise talks about the squishiness of canon or the assumptions that people make on canon but it seems to be fairly well established that obi-wan went to tatooine and then didn't leave until the death star adventure which obviously isn't the case here he's off doing something so he decides that yeah Luke will be all right for a few weeks (laughs) i'm gonna leave for a bit it seems that people find him the inquisitors track him down on tatooine and so on and the Grand Inquisitor and in this looks hilarious nothing like he did in the animated show and in Revenge of the Sith there was actually another member of that race and it looks like the Grand Inquisitor looks in the animated show so you can do it in live action you just chose not to and the thing you came up with made it look like awful cosplay to be honest but that's a separate issue I suppose but yeah it's the secret duel with Darth Vader when A New Hope heavily suggests that they didn't meet between their big lava fight and their relatively boring jewel in a new hope. There's the famous line Vader says, I sense something, something I've not felt since and then he walks off and it's season
3: two of Kenobi.
2: Since last month. <laughs> <laughs> And even Tarkin's going on about, Obi-Wan, that old guy, he'd be dead by now. like, you're older than he is, (laughs) (laughs) apparently. It's one of those things, if it's good, it'll be good, and then people will push aside any issues they have canonically with it. But reading about, as you normally find out in Lucasfilm properties, the rewrites, for example, Kathleen Kennedy getting the scripts rewritten because she wants them to be more hopeful and uplifting. Apparently the original run of scripts were too similar to The Mandalorian which makes me worry about any upcoming star wars content because are they all just going to be that tone of the mandalorian that i don't like Mm -hmm. or are they going to hastily change them at the last
3: minute because they realize they're writing everything as if it was the mandalorian yeah possibly because they experience success with the mandalorian and think more of that please normally when these rewrites come in at the last minute i.e solo the end result you get is not good
2: you get stung with Something that feels half finished or half baked or half written. And there's a real risk of that happening here. And apparently early versions of the script or scripts had Darth Maul scenes that have now been cut. So it's almost like someone looked at these things and thought, you can't have Darth Maul. We did that in canon. In Rebels, it shows you their final encounter and they definitely don't meet in the intervening years. What is going on here? It sounds like they were fixing it while they were making it, which always concerns me.
3: Yeah, it feels like a mess.
2: Sources note that Filoni and Favreau were concerned about Obi-Wan covering similar ground as Mandalorian, the lone wolf and cub story of Kenobi coming out of hiding to protect her child-aged Luke Skywalker. Maul was one of the villains who would participate in the hunt for the pair. Vader was nowhere to be found in this faraway galaxy at this stage. According to those with knowledge of the project, also Filoni and Favreau pushed Chow and the show to grow bigger, according to several sources. In any case, those concerns made their way to Lucasfilm head Kathleen Kennedy, who pressed the pause button, and then they hired someone else as the show's new writer. It's unclear how far along in the process these things unravelled, but it definitely happened. So that worries me. I wonder if we'll watch it and it will feel like it's been patched together from several different versions of itself. Because that so often happens with Star Wars now.
3: Yeah, possibly. And then I may be out on it quite early. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you would give the whole thing a go? Or do you think you'd be not feeling it by episode two
2: and just bin it? Or do you think Ewan would keep you on board for the full run?
3: I feel like McGregor is probably enough and his portrayal of the character is probably enough to keep me... Hoping <laughs> if an episode goes by and I think I didn't really like that, probably try and stick with it. You're more well versed at that sort of thing, <laughs> at seeing something through, even if you don't like it. Except the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, well, I I watched all of it, enjoyed it well enough. There were episodes I found more boring than others. <laughs> Some of it I didn't really like all that much. But with Boba Fett, I was over it quite quickly. I didn't finish watching it and after reading other people's opinions on it I thought I don't need that I hope it doesn't happen because as I say I like the character I think he's very integral to the whole saga and it would be a shame if that all came apart because of this
2: yeah and in terms of the Mandalorian and Boba Fett stuff I've seen all the scenes of stuff that I might be interested in the Luke Skywalker stuff the Ahsoka stuff etc
3: you've seen the stuff you wanted to see or you needed to see yeah you could do without the rest of the hours and hours of yeah the stuff that i'm not interested
2: in but it's like i keep saying not everything in every franchise that i like has to be for me it's okay that there's things that i don't like but if they keep making everything in that franchise exactly the same then what's the point so obi-wan should feel different and the idea of someone who's lost hope and blames himself for everything because let's face it kind of his fault in large ways I think it'd be interesting if it does explore his failures as a teacher and things like that, if he re-examines the decisions he made, such as maybe I should have just stabbed Anakin through the head (laughs) or saved him, right? What if he'd done that? Mm-hmm. that's an option. It's kind of not the Jedi way to, yeah, well, he's got to burn to death, I'll just walk off. It's unimaginable pain. He's lost his way. He's evil now. Let him burn. Kind of crazy, bloodthirsty I <laughs> decision. I had
3: the high ground.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we'll see flashbacks to him teaching Anakin the value of the high ground so that that line makes sense. <laughs> Hayden Christensen's in this, don't forget, mm-hmm. in some capacity. Whether it be flashbacks, Vader out of the suit. He's Vader in the suit as well, apparently, somehow, He's going to do that. Lots of people talking as if Hayden Christensen being in this show is a good thing. But everyone remember he's not a good actor, right?
3: (laughs) Well, you know, there's a lot of people, I don't want to say apologists, but (laughs) a lot of people have grown to love or grew up with the prequels and go to bat for Hayden. If this show is for them and they enjoy it, then more power.
2: It's all this revisionist opinioning that goes on with these franchises, isn't it? Well, I don't like the sequels, but now the prequels are suddenly good. No, they still suck, and you're allowed to not like two things. (laughs) It happened with The Matrix as well. The sequels aren't actually that bad. No, they are. (laughs) They are still bad. It's okay to not like them. You don't have to change.
3: (laughs) But luckily we'll have the originals, or whatever drew us in, in the first case.
2: Yeah, but Hayden Christensen, not a good actor. You ever seen Jumper? Awful movie, jeez. I have, I have, yes. And then there's some other films he's in that I haven't seen. Something about a coma with Jess Galba. Awake, I've maybe. Seen that as well, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that. News. Little Italy with Emma Roberts, which I've also not I seen.
3: seen it, but I have listened to the How Did This Get Made episode about it, and it sounds hilarious.
2: It's a Little Italy in Canada, apparently, so it's yeah. not even the one you would think of. <laughs> Whatever, I suppose. <laughs> so yes, it be one. So hopeful, but the background production thing concerned me. That's my yes. summary. Yes, we'll wait and see. <laughs> we will wait and see. Okay, so next up is another Disney Plus thing, but this time from the Marvel Universe. Ms. Marvel, the teenage Muslim hero Kamala Khan, who gets superpowers and is notable because she's is a big fan of Marvel superheroes, namely Captain Marvel, where she takes the name as a homage. She was introduced in the comics a few years ago and immediately became popular because she's well-written and fills a need from young Muslim women in America, believe it or not, who are numerous and can relate to her, plus people who just enjoy her stories, such as me, because I'm not a young Muslim woman in America, but can still enjoy the coming-of-age superhero story. She's almost that generation Spider-Man in the way that brought out this unique teenage superhero that people can actually get behind and understand, and she deals with common teenage problems. But in terms of this trailer, I think this trailer looks great. I'm really feeling this for a number of reasons. I love the visual trick. I hope this is in the show as well, but at the same time, I hope it's not overused. The comic paneling to tell you what she's thinking and giving you that heightened imagination that she's known for, that really sells that. I love the idea, as I said, of having a character who's a fan of the characters in that universe who then joins the world they inhabit. That's a proper Disney wish fulfilment story as well, if you think about it. So that's... Mm. A really nice touch. I'm guessing the lesson will be around the reality doesn't match the fantasy. This is a lot harder than it looks, etc., etc. Captain Marvel makes it look easy. That whole twice that she's been on Earth. One of the times where I wasn't even born. <laughs> All that stuff. Her Muslim identity will play a big part, obviously, because that's in the trailer. The line in the trailer that I noted, not really the brown girls from Jersey City who saved the world. So it's that idea of she feels underrepresented. She feels like she's somewhat less because there's no one like her doing what she wants to do so there's a really interesting setup here and it's a really great character to adapt they've changed her powers seems like it's something to do with bracelets that she puts on rather than being an inhuman like she is in the comic i understand the choice that they made to change that because inhumans are a thing that did not work they were introduced in agents of shield that then as far as we know splintered off from the main mcu completely so it's not even considered. And then the Inhuman show that they did, everyone just wants to forget about it because it was so bad. So they've changed that. Also in the comics, her powers are at least partially stretchy ones like Mr. Fantastic. So I'm guessing they don't want to invite comparison with a character they haven't even introduced yet, but it looks like her powers, they can essentially just do what she does anyway in the comics. So I'm okay with the change. Some people won't be. It doesn't bother
3: me, but I love the look of this. I can't wait to see it. For me, in general, I'm out on the Marvel TV shows for the reason that there's just too much for me to handle. And (laughs) (laughs) I I mentioned earlier that I'm doing a Fraser (laughs) rewatch. Take that as you will. I like that they're diversifying and that there's all kinds of representation in here. I love that. And I think if the MCU is going to be the omnipresent future of cinema and TV, then it should be for everyone. Everyone should have someone that they can say is their favorite or say represents them i don't know the character so i have no real way into it in the same way that you've just described i have no idea whether or not this will be successful but marvel makes all the money they know what they're doing i just talk about it on the internet so i have to assume that they know they're onto a good thing you talk about it on the internet that you've not seen it yeah exactly i'm asked to comment on it i don't know what to say (laughs) but lots of people might be into this and if they are brilliant if lots of people feel that it's entertaining that's great if it goes beyond that and they feel represented and they see more and more diversity in all kinds of media then i think that's brilliant
2: yeah fair enough so for our last trailer i'm gonna give you a break you can go visit the replicator and get yourself a beverage i'm going to beam chris up so that we can discuss some star trek like i usually do on these things i will ruin his day by just plucking him out of whatever situation he's in and making him talk about Star Trek. You've seen me do this before. I'm a dab hand at the controls on the old Transporter now, so we're good. I'm don't gonna do it. it. Yeah, don't jinx it. So you can head to the replicator. Do you have a message for Chris while I tell him you said hello? Yes,
3: tell him I can't get enough of his radio show. I didn't say that on the thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say Angus says hello? <laughs> I think so, yeah. If that's the case, then say hi to Chris for me. Fair enough. Okay, energizing.
2: Chris, I need you to come back,
1: Captain. Nah, I'm alright, thanks.
2: Well, you're already here, so you don't really have much choice in the matter. Once again, I have a keen transporter lock on you, and can always just beam you up whenever I need to.
1: i was just minding my own business, riding my horse through the snow, like you do, and here I am again.
2: Yeah, with loads of wind turbine things. Very sustainable future, very windy, snowy wilderness, and they're
1: making great use of that wind, so that's good. I'm glad to see they've solved the climate crisis in the future. Or maybe they haven't, and that's why it's really cold. That's true. but well, they've definitely reversed global warming, at least, Well, the snow. Yeah, but not climate change.
2: But anyway, I've beamed you in to talk about the trailer, really tiny teaser, really, for the upcoming Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the, I guess, preamble voyages of the USS Enterprise under the tutelage of Captain Pike with his crew, number one, Spock, etc. What did you think of the teaser? It's very short, it's a minute and a half, and it doesn't really show you much. It's mostly a collection of visual images, but it gives you some... Sense of wonder, maybe?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a nice little tease, to be honest. It hints at a couple of things that I may or may not like, but overall, I thought it was a good teaser. It's very short. There's not tons to go on in there. It doesn't really tell you what the overarching story is. It tells you there's something that they need Christopher Pike back for. Spock is kind of lingering, looking out the window, and the Enterprise is going to go and do stuff. And here's some city shots and landscape shots and... Pike on a horse.
2: And a big cloud. There's a big stormy space cloud.
1: And a cloud. A scary ass looking cloud, yeah. Big death cloud of death and lightningness that, yeah, is like consuming a planet. So,
2: yeah, I think the teaser is fine. It visually looks cool and it's great to see some of these characters back and these new ones that we'll hopefully get some more insight into. I do have my concerns about it, i.e., the pike is off secluded looking upset about something and has to be. Convinced to come back into the fold, ordered to come back into the fold, whatever it is. It's a bit of a retread of familiar ideas that they used in Picard and so on. Obviously it will be due to Pike learning about his future and that probably upsets him a bit because learning that you're going to be in a chair and you can only beep once or twice to communicate, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a blow, probably, <laughs> to the old mental health. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I thought they'd essentially resolved that. I thought Pike, in that moment, just decided... You know what? It could always happen to me. I knew the risks when I became a Starfleet officer. Got to just take the rough with the smooth. We'll get on with it. And I was kind of hoping we'd hit the ground running with this show, as in it's Pike, it's Spock, it's the Enterprise, they're off doing stuff. But it feels like we'll be wasting an episode with Pike being upset and riding a horse through the snowy wilderness before he gets convinced to come back. And I'm also concerned about why it's him that has to come back, which suggests to me maybe some other big universe-threatening plot is afoot, because otherwise you could just get some other captain right
1: yeah we kind of had a chat about this off air it does worry me a little bit that that's going to be the thing every time i've spoke about this show coming up i've been kind of hoping it's going to be more of an episodic star trek program maybe with a bit of an arc running through it but way more episodic and this teases a big cloud of fiery death and different bits like that that make you think oh no that's not going to be like a this is the thing now for the rest of the season arc. You're hoping maybe it's we need you to come back because we've got no one else that we're going to trust with this big exploration mission where you're one of the best captains that we've got. Let's go off and do this. Or this one little mission requires you specifically and once he gets his foot in the door he doesn't want to leave again. That's what I'm kind of hoping is that they're only showing us stuff from an early episode. So it's come back, deal with this little thing and then Pike's like, do you know what? I miss this. Give me my five year mission or give me my exploration mission and i'll stay and then he stays
2: yeah the cloud could just be this is some weird anomaly that we've just happened upon so Mm. it doesn't necessarily have to be foretelling an apocalyptic situation i think it might just be one of the things they encounter but the fact that he needs to come back and nobody else he can't just be allowed to have his isolationist sabbatical that he seems to be on suggests to me that there's something bigger going on and i'm kind of fed up of something bigger going on all the time so who knows but admittedly not seen the show yet so I could just be worrying about nothing but it does fill me with a bit of trepidation seeing that and it's just so familiar like I said they did that with Picard it was him being off as Picard himself said nursing his offended dignity which isn't what Pike could be doing but it's the same idea he's secluded himself and decides that he needs to be away from it all and then I guess he comes back. Well, Pike definitely will come back. Visually, it looks great. There were some callbacks to some other stuff. There was that shot of the cutout of the Enterprise turning into the Enterprise, which reminded me of that short film Into Darkness that ends when they leave that planet with the aliens drawing the Enterprise on the ground, starting to worship it. Then it morphs into the real Enterprise. Uh, yeah, that's true. Nothing else happens after that in that film. It just ends there, which is really good. Really bold of them to make a ten-minute Star Trek film. <laughs>
1: No, I didn't think of that, actually. That's true, as the race making that. They showed a few cityscapes, but I'm not well-versed enough to sort of pick out if that's meant to be some future Earth or existing known planet scapes that they had in there, in the trailer. Not sure. Spock has no clothes on, which means he might be on Vulcan. Or he might not. He might just like hanging loose and being fancy free. You, know, you never know.
2: Yeah, Spock can be a naturist when the mood takes him. Watch this show to find
1: out why Spock's naked. Got of confidence to stand at a big picture window like that. That's some confidence that Spock's got.
2: Well, he is a handsome man. He's got not much to worry about, I would imagine. (laughs) Just proudly presenting himself to the universe.
1: (laughs) As a person who has big mirrored wardrobes at the end of his bed I could say I would never have the confidence to stand in front of a big window Like I stand in front of those mirrored wardrobes (laughs) That's fair If you ever want a confidence knock first thing in the morning Get yourself some mirrored wardrobes
2: I do have mirrored wardrobes I end up seeing myself first thing in the morning when I wake up It can be unpleasant
1: You know my pain then
2: Oh god, look at you You have to get up and face the world That's not good (laughs) Maybe Spock has that problem. Maybe he doesn't. Well, he's a Vulcan. He'll just push it down. He'll suppress it. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't give you much. It doesn't give you any sense of story. But we know a couple of things. That character that's got the surname Noonien Singh is going to be related to Khan, apparently. So I don't know how that will factor in, but I imagine it will be a thing. And how they'll manage to get around that without Spock knowing that when he meets Khan later on is going to be an interesting one. Mm. Or whether they'll just ignore it. Who knows? But I'm looking forward to the show. be great to see the beginning adventures of the USS Enterprise. The Pike morbidness notwithstanding. But also, weirdly, it kind of puts him at where he was at in the cage. Because in the cage, he was bored of life and just thinking, is there something else I could be doing? So presumably, he gets his groove back after the events of the cage. And then loses it when he finds out he's going to be in a chair where he can only say two things. And then gets his groove back again. Pike gets his groove back a lot. He loses and gets it back quite a lot.
1: You definitely get the hint that he's got his groove back with the final shot of him sort of gazing out the window. He's excited and enjoying it. That's what I get from that shot at the end. So there's definitely a bit of him getting his fun on by the end of there.
2: Yeah, I'm sure by episode two, it'll be happy-go-lucky Pike with the crew ready to take on the universe. (laughs) <laughs> let's hope so so another piece of star trek news that we can discuss is some surprising casting for strange new worlds all the way in season two we haven't even seen season one yet when we're getting news about season two but they have cast none other than james t kirk he is going to be played by paul wesley who famously was one of the brothers in the vampire diaries a show that i have not watched but less famously but this is where i know i'm from he was the forgotten luther in Smallville, he played Lucas Luther, a character that turned up for one episode in season two, left, was never seen or even mentioned again. So this is our Captain Kirk, or James T. Kirk, whether he's Captain or not, we'll talk about it. Do you have any views on this casting or the concept of this casting, really?
1: No, not really. Paul Wesley, I did watch a little bit of Vampire Diaries for my sins. I didn't watch the whole thing, <laughs> but I watched a little bit of it. I think he was in a couple of episodes, of 24 maybe as well. I've seen him pop up in a couple of things. He seems like an alright choice for a bit of casting. I don't really have many issues with the choice. I was hoping a little bit for Strange New Worlds to be more focused on Pike's era enterprise and the fact that they already seem to be jumping to Kirk doesn't fill me with confidence in that a bit but it'll be interesting to see what they actually do.
2: Yeah, it seems a bit premature to cast Kirk for season two. We don't know what season two will be, to be fair. It could be that there's a massive time jump and we're going to head to the point where Pike relinquishes command in favour of Kirk. The set photos that leaked and then there was the official photo they released showed him in a uniform with Captain Stripes, so it suggests he's Captain Kirk which has caused some people to use words like destroying canon or ignoring canon and things like that. And because I'm a pain in the arse like that, I decided to do some research into what is actually canonical, because it's assumed that Kirk took command of the Enterprise on a given year from Pike, but at no point was it ever said on screen that that happened. And in fact, they didn't confirm what century the show was set in until The Wrath of Khan. In the only episode that Kirk and Pike are in together, which is the Menagerie, original series episode, where essentially the crew of the Enterprise sit and watch the cage. That's what the story of that episode is. Hmm. That's where you get the famous chair with the one beep for yes, two beeps for no. But in that script, the only mention of prior association is when a character called Mendez says, you ever met Chris Pike? Kirk replies with, when he was promoted to fleet captain. Mendez says, about your age, big, handsome man, vital, active. Kirk says, I took over the Enterprise from him. Spock served with him for several years. Spock then says, 11 years, four months, five days. That's it. That is literally all the history that we have (laughs) concerning these two characters. We don't have anything else. I think everything else has been extrapolated from non-canon novels that people just took as canon and they decided, and there was maybe an on-screen graphic somewhere. Give me Captain Kirk's service record or show me the record of the Enterprise or whatever and it's maybe on there but it's well documented that people writing those things just wrote any old guff because it was the 80s or whatever and we're not expected to pause it and read it because we can't because it's the 80s the era of HD Screen grabs weren't a thing, so you don't really need to worry about what those things say necessarily. But it's not a breach of canon. There's quite a lot to play with in there. And I feel like as soon as they cast Spock, it was inevitable that we're going to get Kirk at some point.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It was kind of inevitable that Kirk was going to turn up at some point. Like you say, the fact that he's in the captain's stripes is a little bit worrying. I don't know. They could be playing with us a little bit where it could be maybe holodeck kind of stuff, maybe. I don't know. They might be toying a little bit. With the fans, I don't know. Or it could just straight be that, yeah, they're doing Captain Kirk in season two at some point for whatever reasons. I like you say the fact that people are maybe getting themselves tied knots a little bit about whether it's ruining canon. I sort of said this off air to you is I don't mind that as much. I'm never that possessive over it if it's something that's been off screen if it's something in a bit of novelization that hasn't been picked up for a while i don't think it breaks that much we've seen so many tweaks i don't worry about it that much and i can imagine how much more hate there would have been if discovery had been oh we're rebooting and we're setting it in a completely different timeline this is a new strand this is new canon that we're building because folk would have just absolutely lost their minds so i don't think you can have one without the other that you've got to give them a little bit of leeway in here as much as i can be very picky at some points i'm willing to give them this my concern is more over the story and it's one of those ones where you're like do i wish i didn't know this going into season one of the show do i really want to be watching episode one of this and going oh well pike's not going to be captain in a season they're going to replace him soon do i want to know that probably not sometimes it's best not to see these things but it's impossible now with the internet and all that sort of stuff
2: maybe they can't convince pike to come back to work in the second season so they asked kirk instead <laughs> pike suddenly realized i'm not getting paid for this why am i bothering to do anything
1: yeah i'm enjoying my time on my horse i don't want to be back there hire that new guy what was his name kirk get him in
2: <laughs> yeah he seems promising and the thing is the canon of the original series is in some cases quite squishy there's some of it that's fairly well held but there's aspects of it that canon have been ignored over the years they don't really bother too much about certain aspects of it and there's canon discrepancies all over the place i don't think this is a canon discrepancy at all especially when we don't know what the story
1: is like you say i don't think this is coming up as a glaring canon issue and until we actually see even the first season of the show, I think it's really premature to start going, oh, this is them ruining everything. <laughs> yeah. They're destroying it. They're going to overwrite the original series. They're going to tape over the whole thing. No, that's not what they're doing. We don't know what they're doing yet. And it could be that he's in a couple of episodes.
2: And that's the last ones.
1: Yeah, it's the last two. And he's blinking you miss it in the show. And like I say, we've been played around before where set photos leak of people in particular uniforms or outfits or whatever and it's like oh that was a holodeck thing or that was a simulation or that was a dream sequence or a fantasy sequence or anything like that we've not had it 100 percent confirmed i don't think unless i'm missing some more articles which wouldn't surprise me but yeah overall i don't have issues with this i think paul wesley's an all right actor i think if the material's good then the show will be good
2: yeah and then the people going on as if this is a massive betrayal of canon are talking as if star trek is this great bastion of interconnected consistency which it just isn't i mean if you look at first contact they can't even keep it right how many decks the enterprise has in the same film at one point picard says that the ship has 24 decks and then later on someone says the borg control decks 26 up to 11 (laughs) so two decks have appeared in the last half hour somehow that we didn't know about maybe picard just doesn't know his own ship so i don't know i've never been down there I don't know how many decks this has. I don't need to know. I'm always up here where it's safe. Picard doesn't see the lore decks. No, he doesn't. Although he should, because it's a good show. (laughs) But when you said taping over the original series, do you think they might head into a sort of original series thing here? I'm not saying that they're going to use this new Kirk actor to reboot the original series, but maybe. Because it's not clear what year of the five-year mission that you're on when you catch up with Kirk on the Enterprise when the show starts. It's because they were coming up with a concept on the fly. They were defining Star Trek as they were going. So you had things like they were calling Starfleet Space Central and stuff like that in earlier episodes because they just didn't have the concept. The Federation didn't exist until later as a concept, so they were playing around with it, so... You could be in year two, you could be in year one, you could be in year three, we don't know. But do you think they might do it? The first year of the five-year mission with Paul Wesley and the role as Kirk and stuff like that?
1: They could potentially. It depends on how this all sets out. I think if you're starting to cast kirk if you're running about and if we start hearing about other casting news potentially pulling the crew together in this season one season two i think it's almost inevitable if you're going to start adding enterprise crew members and bridge crew and everything in key cast then you're almost going to get into that territory whether they call it something different or not or they might just stick with strange new worlds
2: Star Trek year one
1: Yeah, they might not call it that. They might just use Strange New Worlds as the launchpad for that. Maybe. I don't necessarily think that would be a bad thing. I don't think it would be awful. But it's always dangerous when you start playing with established characters and things because... As much as you say, we don't see it on screen for those first couple of years. We don't know exactly how far into the five-year mission they are. People have got a lot of headcanon in Star Trek, and it'll be very difficult for the writers to put stuff in. And I think if people start rallying against that, considering in fact people are getting annoyed before the show is even aired. Give us new characters. That's yeah. allowed. You can do that. There's other ships in Starfleet, apparently. There's, a whole yeah, fleet. there's other planets, there's other species, there's other races. There's it's called
2: Starfleet, not Star One Ship with those seven people
1: that you like. <laughs> star One Ship, the captain and the bridge crew. It's yeah. not that, yeah. <laughs> there's more out there. There's strange new worlds. <laughs> there's other options that they could do. It seems that they are going down a particular path, though. You don't start casting Kirk if you don't have forward plans. like. Yeah, if
2: you're not planning to use him later... You-
1: Yeah, it seems like a really random thing to do, to sign Paul Wesley on and go, oh yeah, you're going to appear as two episodes just in case we fancy doing something later, but no long-term deal signed for you, Paul. You're in for a couple of episodes and done. We could have got anyone. We could have shot you from behind, but instead we've hired you for these two episodes.
2: Yeah, the thing is, they don't even have to encroach on the five-year mission. Obviously, Pike has a built-in end point, which we know about, but there's no reason that you couldn't jump ahead a few years and chronicle what happened after the five-year mission with... Paul Wesley's Kirk.
1: Yeah, you could fast forward, definitely.
2: Those years between the third season of the original series and the motion picture, that's quite fertile ground with basically nothing known about what went on, other than at some point Kirk gets promoted to Admiral. That's all you
1: really know. That's like your show end point, isn't it? Yeah. That's almost like, it's season finale time, he gets (laughs) to be Admiral.
2: (laughs) He gets to be Admiral, and then instantly hates it. (laughs) I must say that I do applaud Star Trek's approach to legacy characters as opposed to Star Wars approach, because the Star Wars approach, we've discussed it before but never recorded a discussion about it before, but they seem to be latching on to Mark Hamill is always Luke Skywalker. We always need that image of him, which means we use some Uncanny Valley technology to make that possible, where Star Trek is just, yeah, whatever, we're going to find new actors, we're going to let new people put their own spin on this thing rather than de-aging and whatever, because... Imagine the horror show if they just tried to digitally recreate Jeffrey Hunter so that you got Pike and so on. Mm. Digitally recreate young Leonard Nimoy just for the sake of the show and things. I do like the idea of let's get new actors playing these iconic roles because they're there to be interpreted. And I remember before the 2009 film came out, I was very opposed to the concept of recasting the original crew. But when it actually happened, I liked it. And now I'm really open to the idea of, yeah, give us a new Kirk, Give us a new spot. Give us a new whoever because it can be interesting.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I do agree with you. I don't know if Star Wars' approach is more because they're planning to use the characters very lightly. We're not basing a series around this character, so we'll do a bit of digital de-aging in this case because it's a cameo role, essentially, rather than we are featuring this character on a weekly basis. We're going to have to CGI this up every single episode. I think that would probably be more difficult to justify than what Star Wars has done with its legacy characters. I don't have an issue with them recasting, per se. Like we said, my only bit is that there are other ships in Starfleet, there are other things that you can explore, so there's a little bit of that of why go over the same ground again or the same crew dynamics but then it's brand recognition it's things like that where people feel more connected to that whereas if you establish a new crew there's a certain amount of fast forwarding that you can do with an established crew that you can't do if you're establishing new characters because people already know certain backstories or certain facts about those characters, so you can kind of skip a little bit of the preamble of, oh, it's this person, they're really smart and know how to speak multiple languages and are capable on the bridge, or it's this person's new and isn't very used to being in space and doesn't like the job that they do or got roped into it by another admiral or something you've got to do a lot of establishing I think Lord Dex did it very well with their characters I think Discovery did it to an extent with some of their characters very well but this gives them a little chance to do a bit of a fast forward and maybe that's one of the reasons that they're going with legacy characters
2: You say that but remember not every person watching this show is going to be like you or I that know these characters well Mm there's going to be new viewers so you do need to establish who they are oh, yeah. for those viewers so it is effectively creating a new character but it's also a new character that a chunk of your audience already know and it's not like yeah. it was in 2009 where this is a new version of that character so we can build them from the ground up it's you no know, this is the guy you know at a different point in the timeline from when you were watching them so it's a difficult one
1: yeah i think you're going to get a lot of well kirk wouldn't do that yeah <laughs> Well, maybe he would at this point in his life. You don't know.
2: People change.
1: But I mean, this is the same lot that I've given Spock a secret sister who got warped into the future.
2: And a Spock who just helped save the universe before he just went back to his normal day job. Assuming mundane day job. Then he went back and chilled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So do you have anything else on Kirk casting or can you and your horse get out of
1: my poop covered transporter room? I think that's it. Beam me back into the snowy wilderness with my horse. I will do. My lovely horse Yeah, I
2: shouldn't have beamed up the horse It is pooped everywhere The transporter room is a mess
1: Just beam down the poop
2: I don't know if the transporters are that good It's not on the pad <laughs> They pooped everywhere except the pad As animals are wont to do My poor transporter room
1: Say hi to Angus for me
2: I will, and I'm sure he'll say hi to you Please step on the pad that is free of poop And take your horse with you Come on, Dobbin <laughs> I've never beamed a horse down intentionally before So let's try this Energising. Okay, how was the replicator? I do apologise for all the horse poop that's everywhere. Unfortunately I pulled up a horse when I beamed Chris in. Couldn't be helped.
3: Yeah, I had to watch where I was stepping but otherwise replicator's good, feeling refreshed. Good stuff. Okay, let us move
2: on in our discussions to the Marvel Universe, one of our pillars on Neil Before Pod slash blog. So we'll start with Secret Invasion, the upcoming Samuel L. Jackson show, where all they do is confirm casting and don't tell us what the show is actually going to be about. The latest bit of casting or returning casting is Martin Freeman's going to be back. He's going to be joining Samuel L. Jackson, obviously, Ben Mendelsohn, Amelia Clark, Kingsley Ben Adir, Olivia Colman, Killian Scott, Christopher McDonald, and Kobe Smulders in the show where we don't know if it's going to be anything like the comic book story or not. I would imagine not, but we'll see.
3: I like Martin Freeman's character in the MCU, so I'm keen to see him again. I like him as an actor. I like things that he's in. I don't really remember his character. I do remember that he was in it, but I don't remember much about his appearance. I haven't gone back and done a whole rewatch. I'm aware that not very long ago, I stated that I'm out on the Marvel TV show. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this give me a quick fire round for me. Fair enough.
2: He was in Civil War and Black Panther previously. Those were his last right. two appearances. Presumably he'll also be in the next Black Panther. That would be my guess as well, but we'll find out. Cool. Moving on then. We have another Marvel project that's on-the-go, Disney Plus TV series, probably. They haven't said whether it's a film or a TV series, probably the latter. They're making a project about Nova. You may remember Nova, kind of, from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies where they have the Nova Corps. They're just outer space police, essentially. Nova is a superpowered member of that group and there's a number of novas in the comics it's essentially a technology magic-ish helmet that
3: they wear that gives them superpowers i know this much nova is a superhero with abilities including flight superhuman strength speed and durability this sounds kind of like one of those lower tier <laughs> top trumps cards won't really beat very many of the big names good for fans of the character i suppose
2: yeah it's one of those things that they've been wondering when's this going to turn up since guardians came out especially when they introduced the nova core and that so yeah it's time They have superpowers and can do stuff and whatever. So I'm not against this idea. I'm not against any idea, really, that Marvel do. I'll lap up everything that they serve. Again, I'm an easy mark for that sort of stuff. I wonder what version of the character it'll be. Probably the first one whose name escapes me. And this article doesn't note it. So I won't say any more on it, but we have Nova coming up. Next bit of news is Deadpool 3 confirmed to definitely be happening. And Sean Levy is going to be directing it. Sean Levy has worked with Ryan Reynolds on a couple of projects such as, most recently, The Adam Project and Free Guy. Good choice for Deadpool. I do wonder with him if they're going to Disneyfy it in a way, sanitise it a bit. I hope not. And Kevin Feige said the previous formula works, so there's no reason to change it. So it probably will be his film mouth and whatever. And I do think that Ryan Reynolds probably has a great deal of say in what goes on in this sub-franchise within the now MCU, because... They've we hoovered it up. I'm guessing that he gets veto rights on
3: directors or some saying what directors they choose. Seems like he works with Sean Levy pretty well. But yes, should be good. I've noted the same thing. I haven't seen Free Guy or the Adam Project, but I guess they work well together so sounds like a good pairing and i echo your sentiments as well hope that they don't water it down i think it's probably the closest marvel comes to the boys in terms of that sort of humor for me doesn't scratch it but i have enjoyed the deadpool movie so it'd be a shame if the tone wasn't kept up and we didn't get the same sort of humor
2: yeah sean levy also directed a film that i really like called real steel the hugh jackman rock and talk and robots movie if you've seen that. I haven't, but I have been
3: recommended it by
2: you on several occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Disney are also doing a TV series of that, so they can't just let it sit. I always wanted a sequel, so maybe that'll fulfill my need for it. He's good. He knows what he's doing. Seems like he can play well with a big studio, which is what they want, isn't it? They want someone that can mm-hmm. make stuff for them and make it well, but also play under their rule set. So it yeah, seems yeah. like he does that. Next up is a rumour. We have potentially a Scarlet Witch solo project so Wanda might get her own film or TV show after she got half her own TV show before and will be having a significant role in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There's very little actually said about this. It's not even confirmed. It's just that it might be happening. I thought I'd put it in because it's something I really like the idea of. I really like the Wanda character. I think what they've done with her in the MCU is very interesting. And I'll be interested to see more of that. And season two of WandaVision is definitely not happening. They said that at the time. This is a one and done. But it doesn't mean we can't reuse the character in some other way. So I do like the idea of we'll do a TV show and then... The season two, in inverted commas, will be something completely different. It'll be a completely different project, but with this character, it shows them moving on. It's almost like a trade paperback type format. We're telling this
3: story, then they go off and do something else, and then we'll bring them back and tell this story. I'm keen for that. I like the character a lot. It's an interesting concept. I didn't finish watching WandaVision again. It's the same sort of TV show <laughs> phobia. I enjoy the character. Like seeing her in the films, I will continue to enjoy her in the films that I see her in. (laughs) So you'll see her in Doctor Strange and think, she's referencing things that I could watch, but I won't. Yeah, and I'll come to you and ask for explanations on all of these. (laughs) For my footnotes as
2: the end credits are rolling, just while we're waiting for the post credit scenes. It's like, what did she mean when she said this? And I'm like, well, just watch the show and find out you'll like it. (laughs) Up next, another rumour is they might be doing a Daredevil project, which could be a reboot or a season four soft reboot. Either way, on Disney+. Plus, I'm keen for this. I think that one of the biggest losses when they abandoned the Netflix Marvel stuff was the fact that these characters might not reappear again. And it's been enough time now. He showed up in Spider-Man No Way Home. So he's in the MCU now. As is D'Onofrio's Kingpin, who showed up in Hawkeye. So... They've started reacquiring these characters into the MCU. Although I think, and that certainly seems to be evident through Fisk, that their backstories will be different in some way. But it doesn't mean they can't just pick them up and hit the ground running because you can f- pick it up as you go. It can be a soft reboot, like I said. They don't have to reference events of the show necessarily. Because obviously the MCU storytelling for Daredevil will be different to the sometimes brutal Netflix version of them. And I'm all for that change in approach because... He's a comic book character and the approach to these things changes all the time. I'd just be happy to see those characters back. And if they're going to do it again with that same cast, then I'm all for it.
3: Yeah, I was going to try and reference the cameo without spoiling anything. You've just done that, so it's fine. I enjoyed the cameo and I understand that hypocritically I enjoyed it because I had seen some of the TV show. The very concept that I've just been railing against. Reboots, reskins yeah i don't know it's not really my thing it's, it's kind of a shame yeah i wish i could be more on board but i like the character my most recent enjoyment of it was in a marvel movie so i'm gonna keep hitting that nail <laughs> right that home yes movies 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 interesting you're just cutting off this big arm of the
2: mcu yes just to fit more fraser into your life <laughs> i hear those blues are calling <laughs> Next up is another rumour on a TV show that you won't watch: She-Hulk. She-Hulk is shaping up to be Marvel Studios' most comedic addition to the MCU, with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige even calling the Disney Plus show a half-hour legal comedy. Rumours indicate that She-Hulk will lean on the comedic roots of the part-time lawyer. Other rumours indicate the show will be filled with cameos, such as Howard the Duck, which makes sense with her specialising in superhero mishaps and legal conflicts. But one of the audition tapes suggested that they may introduce the
3: first mutant into the MCU. That was about the biggest nugget that I could take from this and I assume that that's big news because of the potential X-Men tidal wave that could sweep into the MCU.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think the first mutant that they introduce will be just some guy in a background of a TV show because I think they'll make a bigger deal out of it and I don't know whether the very possible Charles Xavier appearance in Doctor Strange, as indicated by the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. I don't think that'll necessarily be how they properly introduce them. I think they'll have a different introduction in mind, but it's an interesting idea. Basically, the audition tape is about some guy trying to divorce his wife and killing himself to get out of the relationship, and his mutant powers is that he revives. Doctor Revive is a character from the comics, and that's about it. So it's an audition tape, which might just be that they made up this audition script. To just bring people in and see what they could do. This is the tone of the show, but we've just written this audition script. Sorry, it's not Doctor Revive. It's Mr. Immortal, who might be the mutant that's making the appearance. Although I'm sure there is a Doctor Revive. Sounds like a comic book character it could be. (laughs) But yeah, it could just be a concept audition tape. As in, here's your audition script. Everybody auditions us to read this. Doesn't necessarily mean it will be part of the show. Mm. That's my guess. I'm guessing you have no opinion since you're not going to watch this. Correct. (laughs) Okay, here's another thing that you're probably not going to watch. Over on the Sony side of the Marvel Universe, as in they keep making Marvel movies despite the fact that Marvel would rather they didn't, I haven't seen Morbius yet. Depending on how quarantine goes, it might be a while before I can see it, but apparently it's not very good from what people have told me based on early reactions. Are you shocked? (laughs) No. No. Okay, great. But this isn't Morbius, (laughs) this is... Another film they're making, Dakota Johnson, was confirmed last month, or maybe the month before, whichever it was, to be appearing in Madam Web, which is a pseudo spin off of the Spider Man concept. As in, we're going to make a film about a Spider Man adjacent character without Spider Man in it and Madame Webb is going to be a really hard one because of how connected she is to Spider-Man, but never mind. They haven't said what the film's going to be or what version of the character it's going to be, and not really going
3: to go too far into it. Again, I was reaching for the top Trump's deck and kind of thumbing through the DEF tier characters appearing. I'll get back to you when I when I find the card. Depends what version, because the
2: comics version, she's just a psychic, but in the 90s cartoon, she is a cosmic being, so depends what version's in that deck.
3: As I say, when I get to it, I'll let you know. Could be weeks from now.
2: But the next bit casting is Sydney Sweeney, who currently is slash recently was in Euphoria, a show I haven't watched, but Zendaya's in it and apparently it's really good. Says people that watch it that I know. Don't think I've ever seen her in anything. But apparently she's really good. So she's going to be in this. So again, they're weirdly hoovering up some interesting talent for these films, despite them not being all that good. Very strange and bizarre. Although the Venom movies are okay. Morbius, I can't comment on because I've not seen it.
3: Yeah, it seems to fit the model. I'm in the same place as you. I I haven't really seen her in much. The things she has been in, I've heard, are good. Like you say, they're kind of hoovering up talent. More and more people being trapped in that web, shall we say. (laughs) Yeah, so just up and coming... Actors, anyone that shows a bit of promise, will no doubt find their way in, and that's probably good for their back balances.
2: Yeah, next up we have a couple of bits of casting for another questionable Sony-unconnected Spider-Man movie, Craven the Hunter, Oscar nominee, now winner, Ariana right. DeBose, to play Calypso, who is Craven's love interest, essentially, in the comics calypso is a voodoo priestess who utilizes magic potions and besides being an adversary of spider-man she's also the occasional partner and lover of craven so they've cast her great choice again hoovering up great talent for these things you've got aaron taylor johnson in the lead is he a great talent ish i suppose he's not terrible it's a film i'm not usually interested in because i don't like the character that much but mm. It's another person that's in this great choice. They've also added Christopher Abbott as the foreigner, the film's main villain, who is historically one of Spider-Man's bigger adversaries from the comics. The character is a mercenary and assassin, albeit with no superhuman abilities, yet he is among Marvel's greatest martial artists. It's funny how they keep saying, historically one of Spider-Man's biggest
3: adversaries and things like that. (laughs) He wouldn't be anywhere near this film. I don't know who Christopher Abbott is. Actually, no idea who he is. The casting announcements to do with this, I didn't recognise any of the names until Ariana DeBose won her Oscar and that's about as much as I can chip in. Yeah, fair enough. And another bit of casting for Craven, Alejandro Novola will play
2: a villain in Craven. Doesn't say which one and there's no theories. But there's another one. He was in The Many Saints of New York, which is something I haven't seen, but I'm sure he's good. Another person with a bit of acclaim that's turning up in these very bizarre films.
3: Yeah, and I'm sure I'll get to the many saints of New York in about 20 years' time, just carry on that pattern, with <laughs> only having just completed The Sopranos.
2: Once you catch up on The, the Sopranos and then watch that. Yep. So there's three bits of casting for Craven, so you have basically no opinion on
3: any of them, other than they're quite good. <laughs> Beyond vague Top Trump's references and knowing that one person who's now linked has won an Oscar, good luck to them. Fair play.
2: Okay, let's move over to the DC universe. The Harley Quinn animated show is getting a spin-off focused on Kiteman. I haven't seen all of the Harley Quinn animated show, I've seen some of it, but Kiteman was a good character in there. He's one of those, I think you'd be generous to call him a second tier DC villain. He's definitely not up the rungs of big villains but that show has its tongue in its cheek anyway and it's about how Harley Quinn isn't taken seriously so the only villains that'll hang around with her or give her the time of day are the ones that the other villains don't think are up to much as well such as Kite Man and then Kite Man and Poison Ivy they have a relationship and things like that in the show it's really bizarre and quite fun and it's good I just haven't got around to finishing it for some reason but they're doing a spin-off where apparently he's going to be running a bar and stuff like that so...
3: (laughs) Could be fun. I don't want to string this out too much more. I am reaching for a different Top Trump's deck now to be into <laughs> this. But I have to say, I'm not blown away. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. If you haven't watched the Harley Quinn show, then
2: yeah, you probably won't be. <laughs> okay, next up, we have some news about the Batman spin-offs. Apparently the Gotham PD one, as it once was, is now not happening. And it's going to be some kind of Arkham Asylum show with... Possibly the same cast? Talk about the Batman again. But I thought one of the weakest aspects of that film was how the secondary characters were portrayed, people like Jim Gordon. And it's almost like, don't worry about them, there's a spin-off about them, you'll find out more about them later. And now we won't.
3: Well, I wouldn't have anyway. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I probably won't watch any of these. It's just interesting that they seem to be cemented in. We're going to do this, and then suddenly it's oh, we're going to do this instead. We're going to change this up.
3: I did think it was interesting that in this article about focusing more on Arkham, that they wanted Arkham to be a character, and that made me think of what they always used to say about New York in Sex in the City. It was like the fifth <laughs> girl,
2: <laughs> or Gotham and the Batman. I'm sure that was trotted around a few times, right? Probably, <laughs> or the Enterprise in Star Trek shows. Mm -hmm. it's the eighth character or however many characters there are
3: i feel like i get enough arkham from the games and that if i want arkham i'll go back to the games and get that there
2: well at least those video games have killer croc and poison ivy and all the other weird villains in them whereas this arkham will just be garden variety lunatics
3: unmasked guys. Yeah.
2: Isaac was telling me about this comic book run. It was about Arkham Asylum and it was about people working there. And it was, how do you deal with inmates in an insane asylum in a world where those things can actually happen? So stuff like this person thinks he can set fire to stuff just by thinking about it. And well, what if he can? Or this person thinks he's Abraham Lincoln. It's possible that he could be. Stranger things have happened. So stuff like that. That's the kind of show I would quite like to see. Not this, here's an asylum just filled with criminally insane people that Have some slight gimmick to them. We'll mention the Joker, but because of who's playing him, he won't be in every episode or any episode maybe. It'll be, oh, don't go in there. The Joker's in there. Okay. Or you'll see someone go through a door and then you might hear the laugh that they've had recycled from the movie. That sound effect.
3: (laughs) Can I interest you in Calendar Man?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Calendar Man, Professor Pig... People like that. Victor Zaz characters like that. It'll be all them, won't it? But you won't have any of the crazy ones. Slightly more optimistic, at least for me, is there have been talks about a Catwoman spin-off, which I'll be all for because she was my favourite thing about the film. So I'd be interested in seeing more of her.
3: Yes, people seem to really like Catwoman. One of the aspects of the Batman that people really gelled with was the portrayal of Catwoman. I wasn't so enamoured by that character. Obviously it would take So much for me to pick up one of the TV shows based on these movies. But yeah, there just wasn't enough about the character that would make me want to watch a whole show about her. But if you were into it and you'll watch it, then great.
2: Then I can tell you about how much I like it and then you can just keep telling me about how much you won't watch it.
3: Yeah, we can just have this conversation
2: (laughs) over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) It can be perhaps on a future news podcast where I just explain... I've been watching Catwoman and I'm really
3: enjoying it or not enjoying it. And you reply with, I'm never going to watch it. We really are at that time of the night or that time of the news roundup. (laughs) (laughs) I just keep batting the ball back across the net to you. Same thing over and over again. I can only apologise, (laughs) listener.
2: So let's hop over to the CW. To have more things that you have no interest in, as you can already tell. I'll just let you roll with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The first piece of news for The CW is that Catherine McNamara, an actor I really like, she was an arrow in Shadowhunters and so on, interviewed her last year. Was one of the crowning achievements of my life. She was lovely. 15 minutes was all I had, but... He's really good. I'd love to talk to her for longer. She seems like a very nice and well-put-together person. She seems like she's got her head screwed on right from other interviews I've seen and stuff. And she just seems to be living her best life, which is always good to see. But she has been cast as the female lead opposite Matt Barr in the CW's pilot Walker Independence, a spin-off from the rebooted Walker starring Jared Padalecki. It's cut off the Texas Ranger. That's not in the title anymore. Jared Padalecki is no Chuck Norris. I didn't like the two episodes of Walker that I watched. But somehow it's, I don't know, three seasons in maybe. So people like it, obviously. But Walker Independence is an origin story set in the late 1800s and follows Abby Walker, who will be played by McNamara, an affluent Bostonian whose husband is murdered before her eyes while on the journey out west. On her west for revenge, Abby crosses paths with Hoyt Rollins, a lovable rogue in search of purpose. Abby and Hoyt's journey takes them to Independence, Texas, where they encounter diverse, eclectic residents, because it is a CW show, running from their own troubled pasts, again, because it's a CW show, and chasing their dreams. Her newfound family will struggle with the changing world around them while becoming agents have changed themselves in a town where nothing is what it seems. And a bit of a character summary. Originally from Boston's High Society, Abby is a tough-minded woman moving across the country with her husband to a new life in independence after her husband is killed by a horse thief in the night, those horse thieves in the 1800s. Abby wanders grief-stricken through the brush and finally into the town of Independence. She takes the name of Walker and sets about building her strength, personal and financial, because she's going to be the first Walker to go to war with overwhelming odds. The first, but not the last. So there we go. Basically, it's the same show, but set in the 1800s by the sounds of things, almost. Which, yeah, if it works, fair enough. I think I'll probably at least watch a couple of episodes because I like Catherine McNamara, but otherwise, if it's a spin-off to a show I don't like. And... Stuff set in cowboy times, I'm not a huge fan of most of the time, so it's probably not for me, but actor strength, sure, give
3: it a go. That's fair enough. And if you like the actor, it sounds like you had a good time interviewing her, I'd say give it a go. Yeah, not for you, though. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Fair enough. They've
2: also cast... Katie Finlay in the show, whoever she is. She'll play Kate, so she gets to keep most of her name. A burlesque dancer who is in fact a federal agent in town to investigate the secret workings of independence, And she's got her sharply observant eye on the new sheriff in town. Sounds like it'll be quite the show. Let's move on. We have a Batman but not Batman thing, but this time on the CW, called Gotham Knights. They have cast Fallon Smythe and Tyler... De Shira, I think that's how you pronounce it probably not they're the first announced castings for the pilot as a reminder of the show's concept the drama takes place in the wake of bruce wayne's murder his rebellious adopted son forges an unlikely alliance with the children of batman's enemies when they are all framed for killing the cape crusader and as the city's most wanted criminals this renegade band of misfits is there any other kind must fight to clear their names but in a gotham with no dark knight to protect it the city descends into the most dangerous it's ever been. However, hope comes from the most unexpected of places as this team of mismatched fugitives will become its next generation of saviours known as the Gotham Knights. Smythe is going to play Harper Rowe, described as streetwise, acerbic and often underestimated. The blue-haired bisexual is a gifted engineer who can fix anything. But what Harper wants most of all is to repair the broken lives of her and her brother, Cullen, the only person she trusts. The other actors, Cullen Rowe, after years of hiding his true self from an abusive parent the transgender teen is tired of being polite and agreeable clever and adept at reading human nature cullen is ready to fight his own battles it's a cw not quite arrowverse show because it technically won't be set in the arrowverse because batwoman is and that's in gotham there is some crossover in characters julia pennyworth and so forth are going to be in both shows but presumably different actors there's another bit of casting that i'll chat to aaron about in a bit because it's related to something else that we're talking about but what do you think of this show as a concept
3: i know you're probably not going to watch it but as an idea i guess it speaks to a bit of the diversity and that kind of angle that we were chatting about earlier again that kind of representation in tv of any kind but also in popular culture is laudable so yeah i'm not going to watch it but from the description it sounds like there could be a lot in there for a lot of people to get involved with Yeah,
2: and one thing I've just noticed is they cast more roles because it was linked in the article that I was reading, so I somehow missed that. Oscar Morgan, Olivia Rose Keegan, and Navia Robinson will also be in it. Morgan will play Turner Hayes, whom Bruce Wayne adopted following the murder of his biological parents. Resilient and determined to live up to his adoptive father's name, Turner has never felt comfortable in Bruce's world of wealth and privilege. So a bit of a Dick Grayson type but a new character, essentially. Keegan plays Duella, the unpredictable daughter of the most dangerous man in Gotham, Dent as in, born in Arkham's asylum and above all a survivor. She's also a brutal fighter and skilled thief. Robinson will play Carrie Kelly, an idealistic teenager who talked her way into being Batman's unlikely sidekick. She's the first to rush into a dangerous situation, as long as she can make it home by curfew. There we go, we've got more casting there. No opinion there, really, I don't know who they are. We also have Misha Collins cast as Harvey Dent, He was in Supernatural. You'll hear me and Aaron talk about it. Any opinion on those? Or all good?
3: Yeah, I'm afraid I have no more opinion.
2: No more. Okay. You can go find something else to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to summon Aaron so that we can discuss Supernatural and the Gotham Knights Misha Collins casting because it's connected to supernatural we've got some casting for the supernatural prequel so i need to bring in the demon big guns and aaron so i'm just going to summon him so you can amuse yourself for a few minutes
3: very well i will
2: I think I've done this right. I've buried the box, put something in the box. There's no one here. Is there supposed to be a sound? Is someone supposed to show up? What's going on?
4: Hello, Sam. You really are desperate to get a spin-off series, aren't you?
2: Sam? Who's Sam?
4: Oh, I answered the wrong box. Too bad. Never mind. But I can't go. I can't actually leave until I'm dismissed. Uh, I'll have to stay here and do whatever this box is for.
2: Until we either make a deal or I dismiss you by turning down the deal. Is that not how it works? Who knows? What's the lore?
4: What's lore anymore? Lore never mattered. Let's not pretend lore actually (laughs) matters. What's the lore of the episode? That's all we need to worry about. Yeah.
2: Is it consistent with the previous one? Maybe. 15 years of this, who cares? Yeah. There's a rabid fandom who care, but let's not insult all of them. You're a demon. You can insult anyone you want.
4: Exactly. Yeah. And I'm part of the fan base. I'm just not the rabid part.
2: Yeah. Anyway, the voice you're hearing is Aaron, the Crossroads demon I have summoned to discuss... Some news about this Supernatural prequel that seems very, very close to happening. Supernatural finally gets a spin-off. Someone must have made a deal with a demon to get that to happen because they tried twice and failed, and now they're trying again. So was it you they made the deal with to make this happen? Was it Jensen Ackles signing off half his life? in order to get this off the ground?
4: I think that must have been Crowley himself just before he was taken out of the picture. I don't have the power for that.
2: Oh, yeah, he could come back, couldn't he?
4: But he was one of the best characters, so why not?
2: So let's dive straight in. The supernatural prequel called The Winchesters has cast... Four roles, actually, but we'll start with the leads. We have two leads. We have Meg Donnelly, who will be playing Mary Campbell, not Winchester, because she's not married to John Winchester yet. And John will be played by Drake Roger. Just a bit of a summary of what the series is. Told from Dean's perspective, presumably from heaven. Spoilers for the finale of Supernatural that aired two years ago now, nearly. Oh, oh. Yeah, geez. 15 years on the air and now we're two years out and... We don't know what time
4: is anymore. That's why I became a crossroads demon, just so I could live forever.
2: Good plan. Told from Dean's perspective, the Winchesters will follow the epic, untold love story of how John met Mary and how they put it all on the line to not only save their love, but the entire world. Lee's Mary Campbell is a 19-year-old who's been fighting the forces of darkness for most of her life. After losing someone close to her, she considers quitting the family business until her father's disappearance and the arrival of newcomer John Winchester forces her to lead a new team. John Winchester has recently returned from Vietnam, selfless and clear-headed. He finds a new mission back home where traces of his father's past lead him to a secret organisation and a whole new war as a hunter. I have some issues with this show in principle because it says the untold love story. I feel like we were told quite a lot about their love story across the Various seasons of Supernatural There were several flashbacks And journeys back in time mm-hmm. And what have you So we have a pretty good idea Of how this all played out
4: I can't remember actually Now you said that I feel like I've not done the homework And looked up what the actual episode was Where they showed you I'm sure how they met Are they going to retell that? Or are they going to say That bit's been done Let's kind of pick up the before and after
2: Yeah, because there was a bit Where Dean recommends the Impala to John mm. And the idea was that John and Mary kind of met because Dean was there. It was a predestination type thing.
4: So do you try and retell? Jensen Eccles is one of the producers, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. He could do a first episode cameo. He could. And add more to that scene, or they could do a Back to the Future thing where he comes back from heaven and looks at himself doing that scene and they build it in. I honestly don't know if that would be a good idea or not, but could do.
2: Yeah. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it from a canon perspective. Not that Supernatural's canon is ever mm, I wouldn't consistent. I suppose it's consistent enough. It is.
4: They just don't worry about little details. When the plot force needs to take over, because the plot needs it, darling, then you're allowed to just arm um, wave a few things away.
2: Because they've already referenced a few of the things that came into play during the show in this. They talk about the secret organisation, which is presumably the Men of Letters, Mm. that Dean's grandfather was a part of on John's side. But you got the sense that John and Mary didn't do this for very long and got out of the demon hunting business.
4: When you say very long, I don't know how long that actually is.
2: Not 15 seasons, I would imagine.
4: (laughs) No, but you could happily have a five-season run where each season is for a month. You could do that, so they don't need to run it for years and years and years.
2: Yeah, because you have this whole thing in Supernatural where John was killed and then a deal was made to save his life and things like that. And Presumably they'll recast Mary's dad, Samuel, who was prominent in Supernatural when he was brought back without a soul and stuff like that.
4: Yeah, that seems reasonable for them to do that because I don't know what the actor now looks like. I've not actually checked him out again
2: recently. He'd be a bit older, for sure. Yeah,
4: whereas they're keeping the same age, obviously, for the two mains. they not moved it into a different time zone, but that actor will have aged
2: on. Yeah, so they're not using the actors they cast in the episodes where they prequelled, where they went back in time and so on.
4: That is a better way of saying what I tried to just say. Yes, before they already <laughs> recast those actors, so why would they not recast the others? Yes.
2: And I guess we're just going to have to go with that. Even though we've already seen these younger versions, we'll just have to kind of go with it. And yeah, yeah, this is John Winchester now, and this is Mary Campbell.
4: They weren't that big in Supernatural. They weren't on screen long enough for people to have a massive memory of them, I don't think.
2: I don't even remember who played John. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. It was Amy Gumenick who played Mary, though I remember that, because she later turned up in Arrow. Yeah, fair enough. That's why I remember that. I don't think I saw John anywhere. I probably did, but didn't really jump out at me too much. Maybe I should revisit those episodes just to really annoy me, just to see them not being consistent with it.
4: The only one I remember was Samuel Campbell, just because he was, and I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy from X-Files. So that really sticks in my head.
2: But these actors, looking at their IMDb page, they don't have a lot of credits to their name. Meg Donnelly seems to be a Disney Channel type person or at least initially, in something called Team Toon. Team Toon, discovering that the Psycho Squirrel cartoon characters they draw can come to life, four friends pit their superheroes against a host of villains. Mm. And you can rent it on Prime Video, or buy it on Prime Video for £23.49. I'm good, thanks. I think I'll not do that.
4: I think what we need to establish here, though, really, is because it's the CW, have they hired four young pretty people to play the roles?
2: Yes, that is certainly the case.
4: we've covered what we need to know about this CW casting really, haven't we?
2: Yeah. She's done a number of musical releases, as in she's recorded singles. Just for my own curiosity I started listening to some of them. They are not to my taste, but I'm sure she's very good at whatever she does. And she's Been in a thing called Disney's Zombies, whatever that is. It's a TV movie. Disney Channel stars put the happy in the holidays, stuff like that. Something called American Housewife, where she played a teenager. Zombies, Addison's Murder Mystery. High School Musical, The Musical, The Series. She was in that. So quite a big get for her, really. She's been kind of bouncing around between doing musical stuff and playing teenage roles. Now she's in this. Yeah, it's quite a big get for her. I imagine they'll make use of her singing ability at some point. When they get into the meta episodes, inevitably. Exactly. She's pretty close to a believable age. She was born in 2000, so she's going to be playing 19. That's close enough, yeah. Yeah, definitely close enough.
4: Especially for somebody who's been aged early by the experience of supernatural horror. So, three emotionally added years seems reasonable.
2: Yeah. Drake Roger, he's got an even shorter list. He's been in a few things something called the in between two things that aren't even out yet that are in post production quiet in my town and mantra so imdb is kind of lying when it says an actor known for quiet in my town how can he be known for it? it is not out yet
4: technically accurate podcast again
2: yeah he has one two three four five six seven credits to his name three of which are not out yet one of which is this supernatural thing just a pilot at this stage but it probably is going to get a series order it seems like they're putting a lot of resources into it so that's our leads i'm sure they'll be fine i don't know anything about them no Sorry, neither do I. One thing that worries me about this show is, obviously, as it goes on, they're talking about saving the world. Again, something that Supernatural does is suggest that world saving wasn't really happening until Sam and Dean got involved.
4: I can't challenge you because I don't know it's right, but world saving just happens all the time, so it's hard to believe that. I mean, watching it after the fact, you'd think that everybody had to do it a little bit.
2: Yeah, but certainly they were trying to establish that, particularly Mary, she had a bigger hunter background than John did. Or at least that was what was suggested. But a lot of what she was doing was run-of-the-mill stuff, dealing with demons and ghosts and whatever. Essentially the season one stuff, your season one standard episode stuff.
4: Well, if they said they're going to do Saving the World, though, in this prequel... They did. They could just keep it street level.
2: They put it all on the line to not only save their love, but the entire world. <laughs> it's in the product description. Oh, well. And then there's a war as well, a whole new war as a hunter. So they're going to play a lot with Men of Letters, a big war between demon kind and humankind.
4: It's one of those things, though, you can't go back when people watch supernatural i guess the producers have said can we have more supernatural please and somebody said no please we can't so they've just found a way of getting more supernatural
2: yeah so it'll be one of those things as it goes on you'll just have to hand wave away from the oh yeah they were fighting apocalypses before sam and dean came around it's
4: just people forgot a bit that was all there was a whole time when sam and dean were kids and the winchesters were distracted by the father trying to find the one demon for so long. The whole world saving just couldn't happen. So because they weren't available, the bad guys stopped trying to end the world. And it was just very thoughtful the way they did it that way.
2: John and Mary will meet angels, I'm pretty sure, even though they weren't known until... Castiel revealed himself to Sam and Dean. Castiel will travel back in time at some point. That's about to happen.
4: I do understand what you're saying, but you might have to let them play it out before we really get to crap on it from that height.
2: I just have my concerns already, just based on how much they did with that history in the show itself. No. because they spent a lot of time fleshing that part of it out. What did our parents do when we weren't around and things? They talked about it a lot. Showed it on a few occasions. Yeah.
4: Well, if they really do mess with it, then the rabid fan bases, you've called them not me, by the way, (laughs) because every time I'm on a podcast with somebody, I'm pretty sure that person starts to go for the fan base. And I'm all wondering, how are you still alive? (laughs) As you've called them, they will challenge the writers if they start messing with the canon so heavily that it just doesn't make sense. The backlash will be there. and it's undoubted.
2: Yeah, then all of it's just oh yeah, it's just Dean having fun in heaven. He's embellishing things because he found the story too boring or something. I know.
4: <laughs> yeah, maybe they could turn it into a comedy. Not it's it's a massive surprise. But I was more struck by the fact that they've gone with a team. She leads a team. And I do know that the CW loves its team shows. Get a superhero, give them a team. It's a standard formula. It does work. I totally get it. But there's part of me that's still slightly surprised by that, just because it was Sam and Dean and it was two brothers. And that was the core of the show. When I originally heard you say this... John and Mary Winchester, I thought, oh, fair enough. They're keeping the partnership idea, but rather than two brothers and the problems that can come with brotherly love and falling out and so on, they'll go with relationship love and how that can have problems, which will clearly still be part of it. But that won't be the focus if they're going for a team show. And I can't decide in my head if it's just, you're on the CW, you're getting a team. What are you expecting? Or if somebody's made a conscious choice to say, no, we've done two people as the center we want to do something different although amusingly if they did say that we want to do something different by doing something else that's already been done to death yeah. <laughs> so i think i would have liked maybe john and mary to be more of a focus than a whole team but again i can't as i say myself crap on it from a high hikes because i've not seen it yet it just stuck out in my mind that's all
2: it's kind of contrary to the law of the show as well because again it's More common for hunters to work in pairs. Or alone.
4: Yeah. Yeah. With a backup person that knows to come looking for you if you don't answer the right
2: phone. Yeah. If I'm not back in three days, assume I'm dead and come after me.
4: Yes. I'm dead. Come and kill me. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But that was the way it worked, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
4: If there's a lonely life full of horror, the only way you can possibly deal with this is by becoming addicted to some form of drug or other horrid crutch alcohol or actual drugs or some emotionally hideous thing or just murder or just murder. the best you got was the roadhouse where you got to go and share horror stories and then you all drove away again it is supposed to be a nasty life and that actually will be a bit of a problem for me if they present two people having an epic love story with a team of people and they're having a jolly old time with somebody back at base Because, you know, they'll have the one who's back at base on the computers. I know they weren't because he's back in time. So they'll have somebody on the end of the phone. It's the 70s,
2: yeah. They'll
4: have somebody with the books with the phone. Probably Bobby. Yeah, and he'll just be eating donuts all the time and making wisecracks every time somebody phones him. And if it becomes too CW comical, you'll be thinking, I know Supernatural wasn't a horror show, but it was still showing you the lives of people that were pretty horrible, So they can't lose that, which a team, I think, could. Anyway, we'll see.
2: It depends what they mean by team, I suppose, but it does very deliberately say, lead a new team. Hmm. So it suggests that she's coordinating them and so on. Rather than, as you say, every now and again, they meet up in the roadhouse or they'll coordinate on a particularly big haunting or what have you. Sometimes they'll cross paths, but it was certainly established in Supernatural that after Mary died, John just went nuts and went off the rails and nobody could find him because that's what the whole first season was about. Where the hell is he? We're just going to chase leads until we find him and eventually we'll find him. And then you encounter other hunters along the way who are working by themselves or working with other people. And then you've got Bobby who knows everybody, but he only gets involved when they need him to and stuff like that.
4: Yeah, and he was supposed to be reasonably unique. He was keeping people together because he personally believed in it. The rest of the people just took advantage of it. They didn't try and set up their own hub somewhere else. That was unique.
2: If you need someone to pretend to be an FBI handler, phone Bobby, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I imagine they'll try and replicate the formula, at least to some extent. The whole, let's investigate by dressing up as government agents or whatever. All that stuff. We'll get to see all that again, but with yeah. John and Mary doing it. And probably a bit of gender politics thrown in when nobody takes Mary seriously because she's a woman. A woman can't be a hunter, even though it's probably one of those lives where women could easily be hunters in the late 70s or whatever it's said.
4: Well, it's the life that you get drawn into not by choice but because it happens to you and anybody can suffer that trauma so by very definition i think anybody could be brought into the role and then the only differentiation will occur is the living and the dead so that'll be it.
2: yeah we have another little bit of casting and i'm going to butcher the pronunciation here there's two other casts members nida kurshid who was recently in station 19 a show that I'm, i haven't got around to watching it and newcomer jojo fleets are set as series regular so they'll be on the team i would imagine this bit of news was before the main casting bit of news so these are the first people confirmed as being cast which is interesting at some point they just decided to release this it's okay but there's two confirmed actors here
4: i'm afraid i don't know them either
2: well one of them's a newcomer. Kurshid will play Latika Desai, fiercely intelligent and braver than she believes. She's a young hunter in training whose research and problem-solving skills help her face her fears in battling dark forces. And the other one will play Carlos Cervantes, easygoing and confident. Carlos is a natural when it comes to fighting demons and a boost of positivity for the team as it takes on more serious threats. So he's kind of the funny one.
4: Yeah. The thing is, the two characters feed directly into these comments we've had about a team. It's a CW team. They're going to create the CW teams you've seen before, By taking some of the personality traits, putting them in a blender, mixing them out, pouring them into different cups, and there's your team. And if they manage to do something cleverer than that, then it will be a great show. If they just give us that, people will go, "Mm, it's a CW show, everyone's all right. And that will be the danger of it. I'm not convinced it will be awful. I think the worst thing that will happen to this is people just going around going, I really like Supernatural. What did you think to this prequel? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> that would be enough to kill it. Being okay will be enough.
2: It lasted a season. It was a thing that we cool. watched. Or maybe not. Maybe it'll last longer. Who knows? Wow, yeah. It does have a built-in end point to some degree. There's only so many seasons they can do before... Sam and Dean have to be born. (laughs) Exactly.
4: Yeah, they have to then start telling supernatural and you're watching that again for 15 seasons.
2: Well, there is a point where they definitively decide to stop hunting because they're going to settle down and have a family. Yeah. Well, that's built into the DNA of the show already because you're already following these characters rather than let's just follow a couple of hunters and a team in the 70s, which you could easily do. I remember there was a prequel concept that they were floating around at one point. I don't know if it was ever seriously considered, but it was going to focus on samuel colt oh i'd heard about because that. obviously he's a part of the mythology of the show it was essentially gonna be supernatural but on horses i would watch that
4: because they could have had the same sort of feel to the show but set it obviously in the Wild west that would have been the same but different which is the requirement for the formula
2: yeah because Supernatural's already kind of a western in that way they ride into of town deal with a problem and ride out of town or at least early on it was yeah so that's that really we don't know much about it contrary to what i've been saying i haven't already decided that i hate it but all right i have my concerns i will definitely give it a watch because i watched supernatural for 15 years i do have some form of loyalty to the concept and to the show that if they want to continue it in some way i want to be there just so i can say that i hate it i suppose i can justifiably say that i don't like it if i don't like it if i've watched it rather than the, i'm not watching this because i think it'll be crap i'll give it a go and then if i like it i like it if i don't then Well I don't
4: based on that, I can promise you there is a space in hell waiting for you.
2: There's a space in hell for all of us. Right. That's basically that. So anything else on this supernatural prequel before we move on to supernatural-ish news?
4: No, we said what we can say until there's more, I'll have to watch it. But until that point, yeah.
2: We'll talk about it when there's a trailer. That's when we'll next discuss. Or maybe they'll release some more tidbits about it that we can discuss in some future news podcast before there's a trailer. But it's been geared up for pilot season this year. So if it gets picked up and they actually put it on the air, it's probably going to appear somewhere around October, November. That would be my guess. Unless it's a mid-season pickup, in which case it'll be next year. They're certainly filming this pilot. And they'll decide from there whether they're going to pick it up to series. It's never a guarantee, but with something like this, maybe it is. Maybe it's a formality just waiting to happen. You know, like when they said, we're going to film the Flash pilot and... We'll see if we pick it up, and they'd already pretty much decided we're going to do this. It's going to happen, so don't worry about it. So we'll discuss it further when we know more. That's where we'll leave it. I promise some supernatural-ish news. This is casting for another CW show, Gotham Knights, which we've talked about in previous news podcasts. It's essentially a lot like Batwoman. Even some of the same characters are going to be in it. It's going to be a Batman show without Batman in it, where people that aren't Batman pick up after Batman and do stuff that Batman would normally do, but he's not there oh so it's titans titans batwoman whatever yeah characters like julia pennyworth are going to be cast in it and things like that she's already in batwoman so it's not set in the arrowverse because it can't be because gotham already has batwoman in the arrowverse so it has to be another universe somewhere if anybody's keeping score of these things which for the record i am i always like to know what universe things are set in
4: technically accurate podcast give me your number when you turn up
2: Tell me what earth you're on and then I'll be happy. Supernatural alum Misha Collins, who famously played Castiel on Supernatural, has been cast in Gotham Knights as Harvey Dent. The description for him is dashing with a swagger. Harvey Dent is Gotham's charismatic, hard-charging district attorney. With a rigid sense of right and wrong, Harvey's idealism and single-minded quest for justice, (laughs) single-minded hilarious, will ironically and tragically transform him into one of Gotham's most feared supervillains, Two-Face. So this version of Batman that isn't there hasn't fought Two-Face and whoever's going to be the lead in this are going to Deal with the emergence of Two-Face. Misha Collins had something to say about it. I've asked if my version of the character could be wearing a beige trench coat over the grey suit. Collins tweeted Wednesday along with a picture of a Harvey Dent Two-Face figurine. I'm just not sure I'll be comfortable in front of a camera without one. Hashtag new TV gig. Hashtag Gotham Knights.
4: That was the best part of all of this, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so another version of Harvey Dent played by... Castiel, what do you think?
4: I could totally see him doing it. I've not seen him do a massive number of roles, but you had two characters on the show, which was his normal character, and then whenever they broke out of the actual TV show and gave you himself as an actor, and he was himself tweeting on set and so on, He showed that he was capable of doing more. Well, you had
2: Castiel, you had Misha Collins, but in the Supernatural universe, and then you had Jimmy novak as well oh yeah that's true he's the host so
4: i believe that he is capable of doing it and he's got the look that could play the role that you've described you'd have to give me the linebacker, suave, something or other i believe he's got the look for it so if he's got the look and he's got the acting chops and all he's arguing over is what coat he gets to wear i think we're fine i think we're ready to go
2: District Attorney wearing a trench coat? All right, can do it.
4: Yeah, why not? (laughs) He's got to put one on at least once, you know, to gag. Oh, it's raining
2: outside. Okay, fair enough. And that's it. And then they make a John Constantine joke, because they can, because it's the DC universe. Yeah, fair enough. I'd allow it. Not that I have any clout in this matter, but I'd allow it.
4: The fact is the CW as well means it shouldn't be too much of a stretch from the supernatural, because it's that... We will do serious stuff, but expect a lot of gags and so on. I don't think he'll be pushed too much. And I'll say that's a bit of a shame, actually, because I would love to see him properly playing Two-Face to the extent where there were actually two personalities. And I don't know that this is actually true to the character. I would actually love to see him playing one face in one personality and the other in another personality and doing a bit of back and forwards, because I actually think he could do that. It would be entertaining to watch, but I guess they're leaving it open if they get 17 series that he can easily turn, so fair enough.
2: Well, they've already said he'll tragically transform into one of Gotham's most feared supervillains, Two-Face. Oh, fair enough. Maybe that's the villain arc for the first season.
4: Cool, because I think that is where he would be asked to do some real acting i think he's capable of it and and that's what i'd want to see
2: and as an aficionado of all these cw superhero shows they have done some really good stuff with their descent into villainy before right with different characters deathstroke and so on was done really well depends on the writing the actors are always pretty good i find sometimes the writing isn't up to snuff but this could be quite interesting and in terms of True to the character, as you said before, we said a lot during the Batman podcast that we recently did that with Batman, it's all to play for any version is as good as another. There's no widely accepted canon in the same way that you would get with a Marvel thing.
4: Yeah, and, and I guess actually that the Joker has been known for you have to make it your own because if you don't, we're going to look down on you from a high height and sneer. And there are some Joker actors that have really made it their own, and people are okay, yep, yeah, paying attention. So maybe that's then true of all of these villains. People are going to be invited to make this your own. And if you do a good job, then you will be known for it.
2: Yeah, any version of a villain should do that anyway but Two-Face is less prone to comparison than the Joker is for sure because there's been less of them. Yeah. You've got Tommy Lee Jones, you've got Aaron Eckhart and that's about it in terms of live action. Yeah. We've had a few Harvey Dents Billy D. Williams yeah. famously who got paid not to play Two-Face. Yeah. Good for him. Free money to do nothing. It's essentially what Bruce Willis does isn't it? It's a good gig if you can not get it. <laughs> yeah. And there was one in Gotham but I didn't watch far enough to know if they ever pushed a button on him becoming Two-Face. Did they ever get there?
4: Or did he just fade away? You know, I'm someone who watched all of it and I can't even remember. I mean, the latter series were potentially starting to lose me a bit, but I am definitely going to have to look at that now. I need to know. (laughs) If it was, I'd have no memory of it going that way.
2: I remember him having a temper when he was first introduced in maybe the first season. Oh, that was right.
4: That's why I don't remember it. I've just quickly gone on to the wiki and what you've said just triggered a memory. He turns up. And he looks like the most promising thing you've ever seen on the show. It looks like it's going to be amazing because he plays this character who's so close to the edge, you're just thinking this guy could fall anyway. And then he vanishes. And that was such a massive shame. They set something up so well and then didn't use it. I'm annoyed all over again (laughs) now.
2: We've tried to remember Supernatural and then I've dredged up some Gotham-related trauma. Oh, well, there you go. I guess my work here is done.
4: Yeah, that's fine. Right. You definitely have got a place in here. So he
2: didn't become 2 faced in the show. He just disappeared.
4: No, the character vanishes. And you're thinking, what happened to that particularly important member of Gotham society? Oh, they weren't needed anymore. I mean, he must have transferred to the New York office or something, but who will know?
2: Well, the wiki would know if you read it. Last appearance or whatever. doesn't matter. He's not Two-Face in the show, which surprises me, actually, because they seem to push the button on pretty much everyone else.
4: No, I'm pretty sure he just vanishes. No explanation
2: They did the Joker They followed Fully through with that Didn't they They did Bane They did Poison Ivy Mr Freeze Scarecrow They crammed it all in By the end Except Two-Face Apparently
4: <laughs> Well yeah And that was one of the most Promising ones Oh I could go into more I'm just reading the Ricky While we're talking about All the good things That I liked about it The two-headed coin The fact he was always Arrogant enough to cheat And so- Oh move on <laughs>
2: Good <career>. grief <laughs> question from Misha collins then are you drawing on the gotham version of this character
4: give me what i was promised
2: <laughs> so i know you have a bit of an aversion to cw superhero stuff but you're going to give this a go based on the strength of this guy being in it
4: i don't think an actor being in a show is enough to make me watch it by itself but i feel a strong enough connection to Batman as a character, even though obviously he's not going to be in it, but the world that he is within and has seeded, that I would have to give it a go. But I'm honestly expecting not to like this.
2: I'm expecting you to be out by episode three
4: yeah I think so which is a shame because it could be a bit of bringing my darkness with me but equally it's just the style I just don't enjoy the CW shows I'll stand by this it's not that I think they're bad they're just not for me the humour I don't find it funny the drama I don't find it impactful it is me it's not the show obviously it's got loads of fan base. it cannot be that it's bad but I assume it will keep the same style of the other shows they don't do a different style do they that they might drop into
2: well it's funny you should say that because Superman and Lois is a very different style to oh, right. the Arrowverse shows and and don't think I ever found a definitive answer on it but the suggestion is that it's actually made by HBO Max so they have more money okay. and so on but it shares directors and writers with previous Arrowverse shows so I don't know but the style of it is very different it's far more cinematic and look and mm-hmm. the problems being faced are more adult although the teenage element's there because more than two of the characters are teenagers yeah. but you've got Clark and Lois has parents dealing with adult problems and then there's other adult characters so it's different in that way and then the guy that plays diggle david ramsey in arrow he's going to be in his own show that's getting picked up for a pilot justice U, it's called where he's going to be moonlighting as a university professor leading a team of superheroes that are pretending to be students or that are also students something like that
4: that's definitely got cw
2: written (laughs) it's a definite cw concept i was jokingly referring it to john diggle and the sexy squad Right, because it is. Yeah, but that's basically what it's going to be. They're going to be a racially diverse, attractive group of young characters struggling with being university students and superheroes with a sage-wise mentor helping them through it that's the show
4: and they're all going to be struggling with their front cover magazine deals because they're too pretty not to have a magazine deal yeah Yeah, that kind of stuff
2: which is fine Play to your strengths it doesn't mean you can't do well with it no
4: if this new show goes down do you reckon there's a possibility that this *Gotham* noise could go down the lois and clark route then
2: yeah that's what i was getting to yeah david ramsey said after directing a couple of episodes of superman and lois that this is what these shows need to be now in order to be taken seriously. Because if you look at The Flash, it looks pretty flat, and they'll give The Flash another kick in. It's been renewed for a ninth season. They've continued to trap the writers in a basement to crap out more mediocre, at best, scripts. So that's going to happen. But that style of making the show is going away because people are wanting higher quality because you've got Marvel churning out stuff. Stuff like Peacemaker, the production values are much more impactful. Superman and Lois... Is very stylistic and, like I said, cinematic, which is a term that's thrown around too often, but it is more cinematic. I would still recommend you give the show a go. You might like it. Yeah, I should. Gotham Knights could be in that vein where they pick a style and this is the style of our show and we're going to shoot it in this certain way and we're going to make Gotham look this certain way. Batwoman looks a bit flat as well because it is in that Flash era of production. So this has to just not look like Batwoman as well. Otherwise it's... Okay, this is just Batwoman again, but with more characters and some of the same characters. So maybe this shift in style, if that's indeed going to carry through, will be more appealing to you. I guess we'll find out.
4: In that case, I should certainly give it a shot to find out, yes.
2: Cool. I guess that's the deal we're making, that we're going to watch the Supernatural prequel and Gotham Knights. That's the deal. That's one
4: side of a deal. Yeah, what's what's the other half of that? I
2: don't know. At some point a hellhound has to come and claim a soul. We just know that that'll be the end point.
4: So is it that if I don't like either of them, a hellhound is coming? I have to like one of them. Otherwise a hellhound's coming for you.
2: Yeah, let's go with that. And then someone will have to take over this podcast.
4: You can run it from hell. Yeah,
2: I suppose I could. Maybe that is my hell.
4: That is your hell. You have to edit podcasts continually for the rest of time. Thank yep. You.
2: That's my hell. Well, yeah. On that note, you can vanish off this crossroads and we'll all get back to what we were doing. Bye. Okay. That was an ordeal. I managed to not get killed by that and I haven't got myself into a fatal deal. So we're doing well here.
3: I found myself in a Scooby-Doo style hallway, just opening one door, emerging from another. Not really understanding how that worked, but I kept going while you were talking.
2: That's good. Eventually you found your way back
3: to here, which is yeah, here I am. what we're after.
2: And Supernatural had a Scooby-Doo crossover episode.
3: I'd love to say that I knew that, but <laughs> that was just pure serendipity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to
2: our list. Our next news item is all of them Doctor Who rumors. Can you can you hear that noise? The weird whining materializing type noise? Good. just Oh, Isaac, thank God you're here. I have no idea what's going on with these Doctor Who rumours. It's almost like you sensed that I needed you for this.
0: Yeah, you sent out your glowy Gallifreyan message cube asking for assistance. So I've come a run in and landed in and chat all the confusing nonsense that's currently surrounding Doctor Who and... Upcoming Doctor Who stuff.
2: It's good that my messages make it through the time vortex and
0: you're here exactly
2: when you need to be.
0: So I was a bit better at TARDIS travel than others.
2: Yep, bumpy ride, but you got here. Mm -hmm. So Doctor Who rumours, there are a lot of them and there's a lot of ones that may not be true and there's some that are true but have been perverted by the fandom just making assumptions that aren't right and all that stuff. So what's the latest? I know last time you were on a news pod, we discussed some of it. We discussed David Tennant last time.
0: Yeah, very unusual rumour regarding David Tennant returning not in the new go as his 10th Doctor, but as the new 14th Doctor, which sounds like it may have been something more similar to there will be a series of adventures featuring past Doctors, him being one of them. Maybe in a similar style to a serialised story like the Flux series we got last year. There may be a series of pre-specials featuring Doctors like David Tennant, Matt Smith etc, that will lead up into a multi-doctor 60th special. This makes sense of the David Tennant rumours. We weren't super keen on the idea. I think you were more like, it could happen, but I don't think we both figured it would be a particularly confident move to bring back their most famous Doctor. But I think bringing in David Tennant and Matt Smith, it'd be great if they could get Paul McGann, the eighth Doctor who only has one movie in a five-minute mini-episode, <laughs> to be able to do a full story.
2: So this is essentially an expansion of what they did before the 50th with Paul McGann. It'll be that, but way longer, and with more Doctors.
0: Essentially, yeah, it'll be, I'd guess, some cosmic threat is affecting the Doctor throughout their various incarnations in different time zones, and they will all meet together in probably the 60th special to take on whatever intergalactic threat they have to face.
2: Remember there was a Star Trek video game that was a bit like that where it was a story that started off in Captain Archer's time and then because of the longevity of the villain it kind of fed through all the other eras as well so Kirk would pick it up and play his part in it and then Picard and so on. It sounds a bit like that or it could be a bit like that.
0: Yeah, definitely in terms of Doctor Who, Big Finish, the audio producers play with this idea a lot because they have access to the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th Doctors.
2: And they don't have to worry about them ageing.
0: You don't have to worry about them ageing and you can have a plot that The fifth Doctor first discovers later affecting something the sixth or seventh ones do. So it's a fun thing you can do, especially with time travel show, where you can have things happen over either millions of years or paradoxes or things can get thrown around. There's a lot of fun to play with, and it would be fun to see happen, kind of like an event comic in a way. We have the side comics, like what Spider-Man currently up to could be like what's Peter Capaldi currently doing. But that's not the only rumour. One that came out quite recently is the weird... I don't know. It's weird, but as you know, and as all listeners know, whenever there's a new doctor or a new James Bond or anyone, anyone in pop culture, the fan casting and rumours go wild, and it's currently landed on Hugh Grant as the next Doctor. Is the current insider source?
2: Yeah, it seems weird.
0: It's an odd one where part of the information sounds like it's correct, but part of it doesn't. To go through all the details of it, it's a supposedly BBC insider, and they want Hugh Grant as a big name who, according to them, is a fresh feel for the show, which won't go exactly with fresh for some white man again. Uh, Those BBC insiders. Yeah, one of the classic BBC insiders. To me, the more interesting element is the idea that what they want is a Marvel-style connected Doctor Who universe, as in, as well as the standard Doctor Who TV show, there would also be Chaps, the master could have a show unit, BBC iPlayer-style shows, kids' shows.
2: You mean like they used to have? (laughs) With Torchwood and Sarah
0: Jane. Yeah, similar to the Torchwood Sarah Jane era, but much more featuring legacy characters. More like the Sarah Jane one, but they could be like River Song, Unit the Master, Joe Martin's Doctor. There's quite a lot of options, and that does sort of line into stuff that Rusty Davis has previously said about thinking that this is a franchise as opposed to just a singular TV thing. Similar to Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek.
2: It is what he did before, because he expanded it out from the base show with as I say, Torchwood, the Sarah Jane thing. Was class a Moffat thing?
0: Yes, class was a Moffat thing. I think Peter Capaldi guest starred in either the opening or finale and nobody watched it. I didn't. I didn't. I'm not aware of anyone who did. I think it's one of these ones where the rumour wouldn't have made any traction if it wasn't also adding in this more realistic sounding, not so much the person playing the Doctor, but the nature of the show going forward rumours. But I mean, when it comes to, like I said, Doctor Who, new Batmans or new Spidermans or James Bonds, every possible name is at some point floated for about a week. So currently it's on Hugh Grant. Next week it'll be on... Colin Firth. Colin Firth. It's usually someone from a show that's just finished. Probably someone from Peaky Blinders will come up. Probably someone who's just finished a big series will come up. And it'll be that way until whenever we do find out whoever 14 is.
2: Benedict Cumberbatch will get floated again, although the BBC couldn't afford them now.
0: There'll be lots of people who BBC could never afford will get floated around.
2: They can never make Sherlock again because... Cumberbatch would cost too much at this point. Even Martin yeah. Freeman would cost too
0: much, probably. Yeah,
2: Martin Freeman is a doctor. There we go. There's another rumor we could start.
0: Start that one. Start any of them. Andrew Scott. Anyone who's been in a memorable British show. All the Bridgerton cast will be there. Also, because it's Rossie Davis. People are just going through like, years and years. It's a sin. Very English scandal. Any of his shows in the last like five years and going like, oh, who's free? <laughs> As we're getting stuff like Ali Alexander, Amari Douglas, Lydia West. Hugh Grant, who was in a very English scandal and has worked with us to do other stuff. It's also a name that's been picked out of these sort of shows. That'll swirl around for a bit until whenever we find out.
2: Didn't Hugh Grant categorically say, this isn't true, (laughs) I'm not in talks?
0: He did, yes. On Twitter he said, it's a lovely idea, but not me.
2: Yeah, but we know that people lie. Andrew Garfield has proven to us all that people can lie in the media.
0: People lie, that's fine. I can see him being in it, not as a doctor, but I can see him being a big name guest star.
2: It's like when Bill Nye was in the first Matt Smith season and everyone assumed that he was a doctor because Oh, he just had a bow tie on. In the trailer he was wearing a bow tie
0: (laughs) and then he was just some guy in a museum. Just some other dog. (laughs) He was a tour guide or something. Just another bumbly professor character who's like... (gasps) There's only one type of bumbly professor in this show.
2: (laughs) And then when Anthony Stewart Head was in the trailer, everyone thought he was the master because he was standing next to the sign headmaster, but he was covering the word head.
0: That's what usually happens. Is it the doctor or is it the master?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hugh Grant, I wouldn't be against. He's proven himself to be good. I would like it if he just played his character in Paddington, but as the doctor.
0: Yeah, I just think it's a little It's a little obvious. It's a little bit boring, yeah. I don't know what they're looking for in the new series, but the choice of the thing is saying, like, oh, it'll bring a fresh feel to the character. Yeah,
2: they always say that, don't they? They
0: always say that. Another term I really hate hearing is, oh, it'll bring gravitas. That doesn't mean anything. It's just a term. Yeah, well,
2: the the thing is, when Doctor Who came back in 2005, it it was in a much less crowded landscape than it is now. Star Trek wasn't on at the time. Star Wars wasn't around at the time, really. It wasn't the only game in town sci-fi-wise, but it was... Near enough, it was up there and became successful because it got refreshed in such a way. But now they're at a point where they want it to compete with all these big high-budget franchises, and the BBC just don't have the resources to do that, not to the scale that they want to do it. Well, that's why they're farming it out to Bad Wolf, isn't it? And Bad Wolf will be looking for extra money to make it or to allow it to be made.
0: Yeah, they'll want it to be the prestige television in the scope of a Marvel show, a Game of Thrones, a Mandalorian, not with that sort of budget, but with that sort of look, the cinematic look, I think. Yeah, so partnering with Bad Wolf Studios, who hopefully partnered think part with Sony they're gearing up for putting a lot of big money behind it I think or getting people in who can put more money than the licence fee can to try and sort of put the locations effects and know, the feeling of it to match these more like cinematic TV shows I'm getting
2: yeah because I know there was some shared budgeting going on in earlier seasons
0: Yeah, BBC Wells was sharing it, that too, talked toward Merlin. All the other stuff they were doing was just kind of like, we can afford this, but you had to quit an episode of this sort of situation.
2: They got to use the set of Rome for Pompeii. Yeah,
0: there was that one set in Croatia. It was in everything.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'd be interesting to see if they are capable of expanding it out to the scope that they want it to. Although I wonder if it'll lose some of that kitsch quality, because Doctor Who always has that
0: B-movie vibe in a lot of ways. It's not supposed to feel grand and... It's got a kind of handmade sort of charm. <laughs> I think so. But I don't know if that's just because of what we're used to. If they did make a high-budget, visually amazing spectacle, that would also be fine. <laughs> I would definitely not have a problem with it. It's one of those things where how it has always been is not necessarily how it always will ever have to be. It's still a bit sort of duct tape and bubble wrap charm.
2: Although I do think they've done some impressive CGI effects over the years, since 2005. Some of it's ropey, but some of it is really good. I'm thinking of things like the giant... Devil monster that looked really cool. It was obviously a green screen and stuff, but it looked really cool,
0: yeah. Especially in the most recent in the Flux series when the planets are just sort of dissolving around and that universe level cataclysm going on. It was really amazing to look at, but then if you compare that to say when people were comparing that to Loki, yeah. we had was it Lamentus 3? This like lived in giant neon world and stuff, these trains or the TVA and stuff, and we're like, oh yeah, it should be like this they've seen oh yeah marvel can make shows that are in this sci-fi world this sort of cosmic level
2: but they're throwing 100 million dollars at a six episode series
0: yeah but they're throwing like 100 million and i think like flux probably costs like 10 million for the whole series or something like that but nothing wrong with the little ambition and seeing how far you can push what you can do and i doubt rusty davis would have come back to not do that he would not have come back like hey we're just gonna give you the same which i had before i think now he's got quite a bit of clout and he can make some demands and with bad wolf studios i think he'll have a bit more money to play with when it comes to his run
2: i wonder how that works rights wise though because obviously you've got the bbc owning doctor who outright don't they it's their concept i suppose they're essentially commissioning someone else to make it but do they not have to pay bad wolf studios to make the show and then Bad Will Studios are finding money to help make the show. It seems quite legally complicated. It's not for us to worry about, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know how it works, but they're bringing us Davis in because he has his own resources. They <laughs> sort of know that like, he'll go for the best quality he can make and he'll bring in so many guys and this. And I can't remember if it was drawing the Chris Trimble ones or the Stephen Moffat ones, they started using a bit of HBO money, I think, getting some money for the distribution from them, which they could use to fund their production and stuff, so yeah i don't know how that works but we don't need to know
2: they kind of did that with torchwood didn't they they shared the cost with some american network yeah i think so whoever was airing it helped footing the bill for that season of torchwood and it was rubbish but in terms of a cost point of view i suppose i don't know did it look great i gave up after two episodes so i have no idea if it looked any good the first two episodes weren't that great visually i don't remember but it was ages ago it was and i'm not going to go back to it ever there's no point it's not going to get any better so is there
0: any other rumors there's some stuff about the centenary one piece came out which was for the centenary special the actress sophie Aldred, who played ace against sylvester mccoy she's mentioned filming for the new series it's one of the things christian will said is one of the things he wanted to do which is why he brought back Captain jack he wanted to see what it's like what after you leave and what do the companions do after the Sick Goodbye to the Doctor. For all we know, it might be just a DVD special or it could be a, a documentary for the 60th or something. But she has done some filming with that two team. I imagine it would be for the main special, and that'd be a nice idea to see. Oh, yeah, once you leave, especially if we're going to be having probably both Dan and Yaz leaving. It's another person they can see like, oh yeah, this is what happens if you return to life. If you just go back to living as just a human on Earth, it'd be fun to see how that plays out. There are some other old rumours about the centenary, but the kind of obvious ones like got the master coming back. Definitely Graham. I'm not sure about Ryan, but they'll probably get both. But yeah, the most recent, the more exciting one is hopefully it's the return of classic companion Ace, which I think would be really good.
2: That's something that Russell T Davies enjoyed playing with in his run as well. The aftermath of the Doctor, he did it with Sarah Jane, Martha, and other characters. I
0: can't remember which story it was where Rose has been gone for like a year, Mickey's been arrested and stuff, and no one knows where she's gone, and what happens when you leave the world that you leave behind stories. That'd be really interesting to see.
2: You'll never be the same again and can you just go back to living your normal life? No, you can't. Sarah Jane tracks down alien stuff on Earth and whatever else. As I understand it, Ace never actually had a resolution, did she? She just disappeared. The series just ended and then she wasn't seen in the film, so there's no canon for what happened to her.
0: Yeah, the series ended where she just carried on travelling with the Doctor, and then seven years later when he returned in the film, it was just himself and he's a much older Doctor. There's been several. She wrote a book in twenty. 18, called At Childhood's End, which in that version, Ace set up a sort of charity fund, and, and she fell out with a doctor, which I, is the thing I kind of hope they bring in. It was a messy leave. She didn't leave on good terms, which is sort of what she wants. Okay. Because apparently it's a thing where the seventh doctor, he was a more manipulative and used people you know, without their, no- not without their knowledge, but he put people in situations to solve larger things. Sometimes they're always safe, but regardless of how they felt, I'd put them through traumas to get to certain things in her mind she's like well if this carried on the obvious conclusion is i'm not really a friend i'm being used and that's why they'd sort of fell apart so i think that would be too much to bring up in a centenary special where this isn't a character that the new audience would know so it'd be quite a lot to bring in but i think it would be really fun to see someone who's left on bad terms and whether or not that relationship could ever be fixed would be really fun to see. We've not really had that in the modern series or really in the old series.
2: They kind of did a variation on it with Tenant, though, the whole idea of he's unknowingly fashioning people into weapons themselves.
0: Yeah, it's that sort of idea that the Doctor, let's say the 10th or 7th Doctor or some other Doctors they haven't shown their full hand and they've used people to solve a larger problem.
2: Encouraging them to kill themselves to solve a problem and things like that.
0: Yeah, regardless of how that reacts to the single person it's putting the many before the few sort of thing and how that does feel because you would feel betrayed if you've been travelling with someone who you consider your best friend and they'll see you as essentially a tool to stop the Daleks or whoever the master any of those yeah,
2: ones. and he was lying to Martha when they first started travelling
0: yeah there's a lot of manipulation with Martha a lot of sort of things like he knew how she felt but he sort of used it that's currently kind of going on with Yaz and the 13th Doctor we'll see how that plays out there's a little bit of not unease, but the 13th Doctor is currently very aware of how Yaz feels about her. Yeah, she was told. She was told, and we get a sense that she already knew anyway, as you would, and it could potentially lead to something a bit more unhealthy, or it could lead to a not-as-friendly ending of a friendship. But that's all to come.
2: Cool. So no further rumours about the centenary or the 60th or anything like that?
0: No, other than, yeah, we've got the old Doctor returning for some sort of specials
2: old companions slash companions possibly old returning. companions
0: constantly doctor rumors and some stuff for the centenary other than that there's always the constant barrage of weird nonsense which we will just wade through as there is with everything but yep for now that's all i here to report
2: <laughs> i'm going to predict that the daleks will be in the centenary special at some point
0: i'm gonna go with I think the daleks i'm gonna go with maybe unit i think they haven't finished units thing yet kate stewart and stuff maybe bringing in that grand serpent guy
2: that's the problem a lot of the side stuff just isn't interesting enough for me to worry about it coming back
0: i think a lot of the side stuff will just sort of stay side stuff but we'll see we'll see in october
2: do i want to see a unit spin-off with kate stewart and osgood probably not i think it'd be fun
0: i can't think of how they'd do it in a non-repetitive way just torchwood again isn't it it's kind of Torchwood again yeah I think the Master, especially with stuff like Loki doing so well, that's basically what the Master does. Just gets himself in trouble and gets away from it. But then again, our hero would also be like a mass murderer.
2: Mm, Yeah, I'm not so keen on that. Yeah, the Master's okay in small doses and kind of overused. He's obviously back for the centenary because they've said the Master's coming back in the centenary.
0: Even if they hadn't mentioned it, it'd be insane if they didn't bring him back.
2: Gallifrey will come back, I don't know.
0: Just do spin-off on Gallifrey.
2: It's like a sweet shop on Gallifrey.
0: it very boring. <laughs> <laughs> it'd just be... Here's some reports on what happened in the year 2382 on this planet. we oh, are not do anything, but thanks for letting me know. We'll catalogue it. Tune in next week for... Are they going to be able to get their reporting on time?
2: <laughs> but you don't have to worry about casting, because if an actor leaves or gets fed up, you just you just regenerate them and fix someone
0: else. I missed the Gallifrey Citadel bus and died. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was hit by the Citadel bus. <laughs> it's not good. Crushed by a landing TARDIS.
0: Got my giant silly collar caught in the doorway and choked to death. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, got my cape stuck in the TARDIS door and half of me dematerialised.
0: Yeah, it was just like the fashion. It's like I'll just regenerated with this haircut because it's the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an
2: interesting time for Doctor Who because... It's in dire need of a refresh. I think it's widely accepted that Chris Chibnall essentially ran it into the ground creatively. So it's about time to just go back to basics and rethink it. It's not quite the, the point where it was off the air for, was it 16 years before it came back in 2005?
0: 1989 till 2005, yeah. So that's 16, yeah, 16 years. The movie was like 96 or something like that? Yeah, that was 96, bang in the middle. But that's more of an attempt to reboot it than... Anything else?
2: Reboot it by continuing, which is essentially what Russell T Davies did.
0: Yeah, it's the Superman Returns of reboots. <laughs> <laughs> it just carries on the thing that everyone's forgotten about.
2: Yeah, we'll just make reference to parts that we made reference to before. I suppose it's in dire need of a refresh and it reinvents itself anyway by its very nature. It's a show that Soft reboots every so often. So, yeah, it's about time it did it.
0: It's sort of perfectly designed to reboot itself continuously because, yeah, you can just change out everything in it. You can have a whole new doctor running around. That probably stays to its longevity originally and now is after five years or so. If this is feeling a little stale, just change it all up and see how it goes from there.
2: Yeah, cool. So, if that is everything covered, you can feel free to get back in your TARDIS and we'll take Angus out of temporal stasis. Which I forgot to mention that that's what you did to him earlier on.
0: I left him with some dinosaurs, I think. But I'm sure that'd be fine.
2: That'd be fine. Yeah, I'm sure he'll enjoy it. Yep. Okay. doke. Well, thank you for updating on the thing. Bye for now. Bye for now.
3: you've been unfrozen you wouldn't be worried there you wouldn't have noticed but it's always dodgy that process yeah I think I might be feeling a bit of hibernation sickness or something but it could be something I ate you just need to eat that slop that you get from the canteen on the ship and then you'll be fine
2: <laughs> some matrix gruel everything the body needs yeah, Cool. Okay, next bit of news is another Walking Dead spinoff. We're getting so many of these, it'll just never die, despite the fact that the zombies are supposedly decomposing and stuff. But we're going to get a weird one called Isle of the Dead, which sounds like it should be a George A. Romero zombie movie, but it's not. But it's going to be focusing on Maggie and Negan, which is surprising me, because as I understand it, Negan killed Glenn, didn't he? I don't know if you've seen that, that far, but it's well known. I have not seen that far.
3: It also sounds like you're saying, I love the dead. <laughs> I love the dead. I love the dead. It's the COVID
2: inability to speak properly.
3: <laughs> I don't mean you. I imagine anyone saying that would sound like they're saying, I love the dead. I love the dead. That could be the pun. <laughs> I wasn't all that aware. I mean, I was out on The Walking Dead a long time ago. Same. Before Negan even turned up for me. Right. I guess they're just going to milk it because money. I tried Fear of the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead? You even reviewed it? Yes, exactly. A a long time ago when I was still writing stuff. (laughs) It's still on, I think, Fear. Is it? Wow. My opinion on this, I actually have an opinion, which is interesting. It sounds or looks like I Am Legend, or maybe you could even watch DMZ. You could take a pick. (laughs) Delete where appropriate things that we will talk about or have already talked about. If you want one, pick one of those. Stick with it. If you like it, go with it. Yeah, it seems to be a
2: mini-series for now. The six-episode series will see the two characters travelling into a post-apocalyptic Manhattan long ago cut off from the mainland. The crumbling city is filled with the dead and denizens who have made New York City their own world full of anarchy, danger, beauty and terror. Cool, but as far as I know, these characters should hate each other so how they can be in the same room without killing each other is confusing to me. (laughs) I've no idea.
3: I won't watch it anyway. Yeah, I guess we'll never find out. We'll never know.
2: We'll never know absolutely not we might hear about other people that we know talking about it at some point that is very possible okay moving up something you might be interested in this one might keep you working well we're still going to do these types of podcasts for a long time even after we've run out of these types of movies but there is a new alien movie in the works with don't breathe filmmaker Fede alvarez that's about it they're going to make another alien film
3: Yeah, my ears perk up at the sound of new Alien content. I'm interested. It seems like there's always rumours kind of swirling around about projects getting greenlit and then cancelled about various different auteurs going for a brave new take on Alien. If this materialises, I will watch it. I'm not familiar with the director's stuff. I might need to watch Don't Breathe and Netflix Chainsaw Massacre to get a feel for it. If it's kind of going down that back to horror roots i'd be in i'm hopeful
2: have you seen evil dead his version of evil dead though the no. no i didn't like that one don't breathe was pretty good the sequel not so much i don't know if he was involved in the sequel at all or not i could look it up but i'm not going to i think the best days of the alien franchise are long behind it and i'm not sure that i can get excited about a new alien project <laughs> at least in concept if i see it and think wow that didn't suck then it'll be a win as far as I'm concerned. I think they're still doing the Disney Plus show because last month I talked to Andrew about how they confirmed the timeline for that when it was Mm. set, which is the end of this century, the end of the 21st century.
3: And as you say, it might provide us with, we can keep our Alien Day pods running. The more content they give us, there's more material for us to cover year on year.
2: Yeah, there'll come a point where we have to veer away and connect them and more tenuous ways but every now and again we'll be able to come back when they do a new alien thing and bring it back to its original intent which is perhaps a metaphor for the franchise in a way
3: (laughs) yes kind of fitting
2: yeah (laughs) okay next up we have it's a picture basically but there's also just some information about this film called johnny and clyde it's got megan fox in it it's a spin on the iconic bonnie and clyde story following two serial killers one's played by avon joja who I believe was in Resident Evil, the most recent one, which really sucked. He was in Zombieland Double Tap, definitely. Directed by Tom DiNucci, the movie is due to get a theatrical launch later this year. It'll be available day and date in the red box kiosks, whatever the hell that is. The spin on the iconic Bonnie and Clyde story falls to serial killers who are madly in love and on a shocking crime spree. They ultimately set their sights on robbing a prosperous casino run by a crime boss, Alana, played by Megan Fox.
3: Yeah, so that's a thing that's happening.
2: I don't know. I don't have much to say about it. It's an update of a well-known thing in some ways. A new spin on it, I suppose. Megan Fox is always fun in sort of these weird, interesting projects where she gets to stretch herself because she is better than people have given her credit for. Any thoughts?
3: Unfortunately, no. As I say, the little detail that there is included there, nothing really jumped out. I can't say I'm in on this. I might hear more that interests me later, but yes, there's not enough for me to go on right now. When there's a trailer, you might be on that news pod and then you might get to talk about it then. Yeah, I'll be able to comment then.
2: Depends if that's your month. Who knows? Okay, next up we have a video game TV show adaptation of Twisted Metal. Anthony Mackie will star in and executive produce the series, which is based on the video game franchise. It's going to be a half hour action comedy with Mackie playing John Doe, a smart ass milkman who talks as fast as he drives. With no memory of his past, John gets a once in a lifetime opportunity to make his wish of finding community come true, but only if he can survive an onslaught of savage vehicular combat. With the help of a trigger-happy car thief, he'll face savage marauders, driving vehicles of destruction, and other dangers of the open road, including a deranged clown, oh my god, who drives an all too familiar ice cream truck. (laughs) I have not played the Twisted Metal games, although it sounds like they're launching off the success of Mad Max in that way. It sounds vaguely similar.
3: Have you played Twisted Metal at all? Remember there was Twisted Metal Black on the PlayStation? I haven't played, but yeah, I guess it's kind of similar sort of Carmageddon. It makes me think of Death Race 2000 or something like that.
2: Yeah, it's one of those cut from the same cloth type concepts, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of video game concepts aren't that deep. They weren't designed to be. They were designed to be stick this in your game machine and play with it for a little while. Brand recognition, I suppose. Sounds quite fun based on that description.
3: Yeah. And I like Anthony Mackey, but I decided at this point that I would let the listeners kind of guess what my <laughs> approach to this would be. Based on your experience, do you think I'll watch?
2: I mean, I probably won't watch it either. (laughs) More video game TV adaptation news. PlayStation's flagship action-adventure franchise, God of War, is heading to TV. Prime Video is negotiations for a live-action series based on the hugely popular ancient mythology-themed game. It comes from the Expanse creators Max Fergus and Hawk Otspey, and Wheel of Time executive producer Rafe Judkins. So it's got some pedigree attached to it. No chap casting i'm guessing they'll go along the lines of adapting the most recent god of war game which i haven't played but it's that's the one that got a lot of accolades for being narratively deep and very emotionally involving and things like that so i imagine they'll go with that rather than the relentless psychopath going after the pantheon of gods and just tearing them a new one even though i'd probably rather watch that
3: <laughs> yeah, to me, this seems like some executives are looking for their next Game of Thrones or throwing out The Witcher, Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, Gimme God of War. Will that stick? Who knows?
2: Yeah, but if it's just going to be a guy in the sun wandering around the forest, occasionally fighting stuff, then it won't be as interesting as it can be. Yeah, I would agree with that. More video game stuff. Resident Evil, another thing. This Netflix series that's been suggested for quite a while is now happening. Well, it was always happening, but we now have a release date, which contrary to netflix's usual tactic we've actually got a bit of time before it comes out it comes out on july 14th usually with netflix it's oh yeah this is out next week by the way according to the official log line the series will be set in the year 2036 14 years after a deadly virus caused a global apocalypse because that's what we need Reminded of deadly virus. Mm. Jade Wesker fights for survival in a world overrun by the bloodthirsty, infected, and insane creatures. In this absolute carnage, Jade is haunted by her past and new raccoon city, by her father's chilling connections to the Umbrella Corporation, but mostly by what happened to her sister, Billy. It's got no connection, as far as I know, to the recent movie... And if they're smart, they will keep it that way because it wasn't very good. I'm not against this idea. I'm usually keen for anything Resident Evil because I love the series, but I'm fairly sure it could turn out to be crap. So I don't know. But I'll give this a watch. I definitely will because I like Resident Evil.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of in that sweet spot of I keep coming back to the IP. I watched the recent animation. haven't seen the recent movie, but I enjoyed the recent animation well enough. I know you didn't. And I think I fall in that I'm not close enough to it to be annoyed or offended by it. But I am enough on it that I will pick it up and watch it if I see it pop up on Netflix so I can see this getting a spin. Sure cool that's the
2: video game sub portion of our discussion over then. Next up we have a sequel that nobody asked for which you could argue is almost any sequel but this one in particular Warner Brothers is upping the stakes on its I Am Legend franchise. How is that a franchise that made one of them? <laughs> for its next chapter the studio is bringing back not only original star Will Smith but Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan and what will be the duo's first big movie together as stars and producers akiva Goldsman will write the scripts and will be producing as well that's about it so michael b jordan and will smith are in it i haven't seen i am legend in a while but i'm pretty sure will smith dies in the film yeah i can't really remember i think i might have only seen it once way back when unless they do the deleted ending the alternate ending that everybody prefers It wasn't that great, the first one. So I'm surprised they're doing this again because they got the point of the book entirely wrong and they didn't replace it with anything interesting. It just doesn't work as a film. And I wonder how Will Smith's real estate will be tainted after recent events, Mm. perhaps. Probably not at all, to be perfectly
3: honest. Yeah, possibly not. And I think Michael B. Jordan is probably a big enough star to carry films these days and probably carry it to success i think maybe that name recognition of the franchise in inverted commas and michael b jordan i could see it working out i'm not excited for it at all and i would encourage people who are spin the isle of the dead or dmz (laughs) i am legend wheel and whichever one it lands on watch that
2: Yeah, it's a weird one. It's also a very cynical, almost algorithmically generated cast for this, isn't it? Okay, the first one, Will Smith. People still like him. Maybe they don't now, but they still like him in theory. Let's bring him back. And who else do people like? Michael B. Jordan, throw him in. Let him produce as well. Why not? I'm of the opinion that Hollywood have a list of actors that they always go to for everything. If one person says no, they just go down the list. Our first call is Michael B. Jordan. If he says no, we'll pick the next guy and we'll just keep going down until we get someone. It's a bit like that with, let's ask Chris Hemsworth. No, he said no. Let's do Chris Pratt. No, okay. Then keep going until eventually you get to, I don't know. Luke Hemsworth. Yeah, he's below Liam Hemsworth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am legend. Put it on the pile of DMZ or whatever. <laughs> I haven't seen the first one in a while. Maybe I should revisit it, but I feel like I'd regret it if I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, another revived property. Quantum Leap sequel series pilot casts Raymond Lee in lead role. He will star as Dr. Ben Sung, described as both a scientist and a man of faith. He's a world-renowned physicist working on a time travel project known as Quantum Leap. That's all that says. He will also be in Top Gun Maverick, which might hit theatres on May 27th. So, yeah, Raymond Lee, he's probably fine. What do you think of them doing Quantum Leap again? Also, Ernie Hudson's going to be in it. Nothing too
3: earth-shattering here. Not a fan of the original. I've probably caught an episode or two here or there, reruns back in the day, but by no means seen very much of it, so I'm not at all bothered by them doing a remake. That's about as much as I've
2: got. (laughs) I'll tell you about Ernie Hudson. Maybe that'll change your mind. He plays Herbert Magic Williams, a Vietnam veteran and head of the time travel project at quantum leap uses a bit of politicking and his military know-how to keep the pentagon bay. magic buys the team sometime to rescue ben but expects answers once he's back so it's basically the same idea it's like we're gonna try this again oh we lost them oh well that happened last time so oops And they cast more people as well. Caitlin Bassett, Nanrissa Lee, and Mason Alexander-Park. Bassett will star as Addison, a project lead at Quantum Leap Headquarters, who operates a state-of-the-art technology to communicate with an individual time-travelling in the past. Likely similar to how Al communicated with Sam via hologram in the original show. Lee will play Jen, head of security for Quantum Leap Headquarters. Lee previously recurred on the long-running Amazon series Bosch. She was also in Westworld. Park will play Ian, the chief architect of Quantum Leap's AI program. They are a non-binary artist. They previously starred in the national tour of Hedwig and the Angry Itch, and they were in by Bebop and will be in Sandman. So we've got a cast for this. Quantum Leap, I've not seen much of it. I'm aware of the concept. Did you see Source Code, which was essentially the same idea? I did, yes. And it uh, references Quantum Leap in the film as well, where Scott Bakula voices, I forget the lead character's name, but his dad, Coulter Stevens, that was it. He voices his dad in the phone call.
3: I did not know that there was that connection. Now you know. Now I know.
2: Next up, uh, something you might be interested in. Maybe not. I'm not, actually. But the upcoming Predator prequel, Prey, will take the iconic science fiction monster back in time to 1719 and take place in the Great Plains.
3: Yeah, I've got questions about how this would work. A bunch of 20th century soldiers with machine guns couldn't handle the Predator. (laughs) What is going to happen in 1719? I I don't know. Just throw iconic monsters at different time periods, see what happens. Yeah. Dan
2: Trachtenberg's directing at 10 Cloverfield Lane was the film of his that I really liked. Amber Midthunder is going to be there as well, playing a Comanche woman who goes against gender norms and traditions to become a warrior, setting her in a collision course with one of cinema's most famous monsters. So she's really good. Prey producers say the prequel will be just as
3: good as the first Predator.
2: Well, they're going to say that, aren't they? <laughs>
3: They'll say, it's not going to live up to it, but what are you going to do? It's really going to suck, but as
2: long as enough people watch it, it will keep this franchise on life support. Yeah. It goes back to what made the original Predator movie work, apparently. It's the ingenuity of a human being who won't give up, who's able to observe and interpret, basically being able to be a stronger, more powerful, well-armed force. It's going to be, I believe, the second best, or the first, or it may be equal to the first one. I feel like the first one was a wonderful, interesting movie, and I know what worked about it. I feel like we kind of never got back there again. We ended up in different places. I think this is a worthy compliment to the first one. It's going to be as the, good.
3: The shade.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why they don't just pay Arnie and bring him back.
3: It's what we all want, right? It's gonna be the only reason we'll get mildly excited about something like oh, this. I don't know at this point. They would have to de age and basically tarken the hell out of him. It's not gonna work. Oh I don't know. <laughs> I just
2: don't know anymore. Maybe they should just come up with new ideas. Imagine that. That would be really good. <laughs> well, apparently this Predator film didn't start life as a Predator film, which makes me laugh as well. It was just whoever it was had this concept, and it's, what if it was a Predator film? I guess. Right. You get that sometimes where it's... I've got this really unique idea. It's like, yeah, but what if it was not as unique? What if we plastered another name on it? Would you make it then? <laughs> We'd pay for it if you do it. It's like, Fine. But also, here's some notes.
3: <laughs> That's when I feel vindicated in being as cynical as I am. <laughs> I'm trying to comment on a very cynical business. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of potentially cynical here, June Part 2. We discussed before how good it is that it's getting made, especially with how the first one ends. Florence Pugh is in negotiations to join the cast. She will play Princess Irulan Carino, the eldest daughter of to Emperor Shaddam Carino Fourth whoever he is i think he was in the first one i don't really know the ins and outs of the june names legendary had no comment and austin butler who will be elvis he's also going to be in the film he'll be playing fade rautha the cunning nephew of the baron the villain played by stellan skarsgård who heads house harkonnen good cast again the casting they've got in the june films as it's going to be now is excellent haven't been able to fault any of them they've I had some really big names for it. And I'm really glad they didn't just decide, nah, there business. We're not making the second one. You'll just have to live with this half told story. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. And I like Florence Pugh. I don't know Austin Butler, but I liked June part one. And I'm looking forward to June part two. Cool. Nice to see you excited about something. <laughs> that counts as excitement for me. <laughs>
2: this one is something that might interest you just because of how loony the concept is. <laughs> oh. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Will Fort and Lana Condor are set to join John Cena in Looney Tunes animated hybrid pick Coyote vs. Acme. Dave Green will direct. The film follows Wiley Coyote who after Acme products fail him one too many times in his dogged pursuit of the roadrunner decides to hire a billboard lawyer to sue the Acme Corporation. The case pits Wiley and his lawyer against the latter's intimidating former boss Cena. But a growing friendship between man and cartoon stokes their determination to win. I absolutely love this idea and it's based on a New York Times article that was is talking about legal ramifications of the Acme stuff and there's a family guy joke as well where the coyote goes up to Peter who's working in the Acme store at the time and it's like your slingshot just threw him into a mountain or whatever but I want a refund so like, we don't do refunds and he's like well I'm outraged here could probably give you a store credit fine <laughs> and then that sets up in theory why he keeps using the product because he just keeps doing that yeah i love this idea i think it sounds amazing and john cena being in this film leans into his strengths he gets to be funny
3: i can't wait to see john cena acting against the Looney tunes for me i've swung all the way back to cynical again (laughs) oh this feels like a blue hedgehog made money so let's splice together some cartoons and some people and here you go we've got a property do it make a movie go like, don't diss that was good. Oh yeah, I still haven't seen it. I'm aware that it's well regarded. And the sequel's out soon, or will be out by the time you listen to this. All it takes is for one of these things to take off and then we get this kind of thing.
2: Not even the presence of the almighty John Cena getting to play against Wiley e. Coyote. I just can't see it. Much like John Cena himself. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought you would actually go on Space Jam rather than Sonic. Sonic's a weird reach in that one because Space Jam is more the link here.
3: Yeah, but reading the write-up of this, that was what sprung to mind. I take your point about Space Jam, but that wasn't a success.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was not. But yeah, I'm excited about this. I think it'll be good fun. John Cena's always great in those types of things. Like I say, if you make John Cena funny, it'll work. Every single time. There's no way it can go wrong if John Cena leans on his comedic side. That's why the recent Fast and Furious film, well, there's many reasons why that film sucked, but one of them was that John Cena wasn't the least bit funny. He'd also been spray tan to look closer to Vin Diesel's skin tone, which was off-putting. <laughs> this one's going to really indulge your cynical nerve. <sighs> In the works, we have a Billy Joel biopic titled Piano Man, two words. It's in the works at Michael Jai White's studios with Adam Rip attached to write and direct. The biopic will follow Joel's early years from being discovered by Irwin Mazur, who managed the band The Hassles that Joel joined as a teenager, to his breakout performance in 1972 that captured the attention of Clive Davis. However, Billy Joel's rep says that Joel is not involved with the film project and that no rights in music, name, likeness or life story will be granted. So they're going to do an unauthorised biopic about Billy joel
3: called piano man without his consent in any way why are you making this that is my exact reaction why it's baffling truly baffling it doesn't even sound like it could get off the ground how can you do anything without the music name likeness life story what makes it billy joel at that point
2: yeah you're gonna call the film piano man but you can't use the song
3: i'm as confused as you are
2: yep baffling okay let's move on back to netflix again cast announced for supernatural ghost hunting series lockwood and Co. Ruby Stokes, who was in Bridgerton, leads the cast alongside newcomers Cameron Chapman and Ali Hajil Hishmati. About Lockwood and Co. In London, where the most gifted teenage ghost hunters venture nightly into perilous combat with deadly spirits amidst the many corporate adult-run agencies. One stands alone, independent of any commercial imperative adult supervision. A tiny startup run by two teenage boys and a newly-arrived, supremely psychically gifted girl. A renegade trio destined to unravel a mystery that will change the course of history. It's borrowing a lot from things like Buffy and whatever...
3: That's what I was getting. Yeah.
2: Teenage Ghost Hunters.
3: I see that Joe Cornish is involved,
2: but it's not for me. It's a young adult supernatural thriller series written by Jonathan Stroud. I would have been able to tell you it was young adult based on the premise alone. <laughs> the world is run by adults and only us kids can sort it out. Only as youngins can sort it out. So mm. on that basis, it's probably not for me. But sure, if you like that sort of stuff, then Netflix will make it. And it will probably be aggressively mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: yes, on that we can agree.
2: <laughs> okay. Netflix are working on an adaptation of a comic series called Irredeemable Incorruptible. Oh no, two comic series. Irredeemable and its spin-off Incorruptible. The unique undertaking... unique. We'll combine the two separate titles into one feature. Created by veteran comics author Mark Wade and illustrated mostly by Peter Krause, Irredeemable serves as deconstruction and upending of some of the most well-known superhero tropes as it told the story of how the world's greatest hero, the Plutonian, snapped under the pressure of his responsibilities and charted a dark path to become the world's greatest supervillain, slaughtering millions in the process. Poor guy. The spin-off series Incorruptible flipped the paradigm and followed supervillain Max Damage as he responded to the Plutonian's evil by gradually transforming himself into a superhero with The aim of stopping the former hero, but with the added pressure of doing so, before his own degenerative powers caused him to lose his mind. Sounds pretty interesting, actually. And the idea of combining it's quite good because you see the fall of one and the rise of the other, and then they meet in the middle, I guess, and fight. Sounds quite interesting.
3: In theory, yes. And I believe that there are several big names attached, but that is as far as I took my research.
2: Yes. One of the directors co-directing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One, for example. Some good pedigree there. Mark Wade, the guy who wrote the comics, did some good stuff with Daredevil and things like that so it sounds interesting in concept I imagine the release will end up being aggressively mediocre as I assume all of Netflix stuff is.
3: Another aggressive mediocre.
2: <laughs> yeah. Here's another one for your, your cynicism, Nerf. Play-Doh is being moulded into an animated feature film. The perspective picture will be written by Oscar-nominated screenwriter. I love it how they have to put in Oscar-nominated just to remind you there's some pedigree here, even though it's about Play-Doh. Emily V. Gordon with John M. Chu producing, with the potential to direct. The team looks forward to bringing the audience a moldable, pliable, iconically scented story about the importance of imagination. They turned the Lego movie into something incredible, so I don't see a Problem with this necessarily, but cynically, it's the Lego movie worked, so let's do it with that. Because they did it with Playmobile and other things. Mm. I liked mm. the Playmobile movie actually. Anya Taylor Joy was in it, and it was a musical, which I didn't expect. I didn't know that going in. And there's nothing like going into a film, not knowing it's a musical, and then finding out that it's a musical. <laughs> Usually I'm about half an hour in and thinking, they're still singing. It's like when I first watched the South Park movie, I didn't know it was a musical. So it was after the opening musical number, I was like, okay, that was quite a nice opening musical number. And then they just kept singing and I was like, what's going on? I did not expect
3: this. So Play-Doh, what do you think? I thought League of Super Pets would take the award for the project I was least interested in. (laughs) It turns out I was wrong. I'll leave it at that. Fair enough.
2: So you don't think it could achieve the levels of greatness that the Lego movie achieved? (laughs) Yes, that's safe to say. Or do you not think the Lego movie achieved those levels of greatness?
3: No, no, I enjoyed the Lego movie. And this is obviously very easy to say with hindsight. I don't remember being that cynical about the Lego movie, but... It was a different time. This makes me think of things like the Emoji Movie. I think that it's on that level where I think, okay, Play-Doh, emojis. I don't see a movie in these concepts.
2: But somehow they made one and they'll make this. Now we get to the point in the list of the thing that I am least interested in. For two reasons. Maybe three reasons, actually. Netflix are teaming with J.J. Abrams to develop a scripted series about U2. The untitled show, which is currently in the early development stages, will be penned by Anthony McCartan. The Oscar-nominated writer will mark his return to the world of music biopics with a U2 series following 2018's Bohemian Rhapsody. There's opinions on that film, I suppose. Details of U2's involvement are being kept under wraps. It'd be hilarious if they have nothing to do with it. If there's absolutely no involvement from Bono and the rest of them in this at all. Though sources say the band is expected to be involved and sanction the project, the series hails from Warner Brothers Television, where Abrams' bad robot is housed under an overall deal. Plot details are also being kept under wraps. I don't really like you 2 I definitely don't like AJJ Abrams. So God, I could not be less interested in this.
3: I imagined that that might be your take. Yeah, I'm in a similar place. Not all that bothered by you two. Back on the cynical bandwagon, I just think Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man, and possibly Piano Man. <laughs> <I don't know laughs> that sounds like how could they possibly make that? That worked. Let's do another one. Yeah. Okay, moving on. We have a Gremlins
2: animated show that we've talked about before, Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai. There's a picture that's just a picture of Gizmo, but as an animated Mogwai instead of a puppet. We now know who will be voicing the characters in the animated series. The cast will include Isaac Wong as young star Sam Wing. His parents will be played by TV and film vets B.D. Wong and Ming-Na Wen. According to official sites for the series, A.J., Locasco will voice Gizmo and Gabrielle Green will voice Sam's friend L. On the other side of the good and evil spectrum Matthew Rhys will voice the series main antagonist. He's an English industrialist and treasure hunter who wields black magic and who aims to seize Gizmo. Here's the official synopsis. In the animated television adaptation, we travel back to 1920 Shanghai to reveal the story of how 10-year-old Sam Wing, future shop owner Mr. Wing in the 1984 movie, met the young mogwai called Gizmo. Along with a teenage street thief named L, Sam and Gizmo take a perilous journey through the Chinese countryside, encountering and sometimes battling colourful monsters and spirits from Chinese folklore. On their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure, they are pursued by a power-hungry industrialist and his growing army of evil gremlins. It sounds like it's going to do that thing that really annoys me about things where we have unanswered questions and answer the questions in ways that don't interest me. So I'm dubious about it in that respect, but always keen to see a bit more gremlins.
3: Yeah, I'm equally dubious. I am not massive on gremlins. I am not big on this. I'm guessing that the idea is people who grew up with gremlins and have kids now will be expected to sit their kids down in front of this and maybe enjoy it together. I don't know if it's being pitched that way, but those are my thoughts.
2: Also, we know that he fails to get Gizmo back to his family because he's selling them off to anyone that will take him in the future. You pelts, you look not dodgy. i will give you this wonderful, bizarre, mythical creature to give to your son as a Christmas present. You seem trustworthy, even though we've been through so many adventures together but whatever. You can have them. Gremlins. Secrets of the Mogwai. I like Gremlins and it's bizarre that they've not done anything else with it. Next up, Great Scott. Christopher Lloyd is going to be in The Mandalorian in an undisclosed role, but he's going to be in it. It was me when Christopher Lloyd signs up to stuff because I always get the impression he has no idea what day of the week it is anymore. It seems like the lights are on, but no one's home kind of thing with Christopher Lloyd these days, which is a shame. He's an old man, right enough, but Just let him retire. I don't know. Why is he still working? I don't understand. You excited about the prospect of him turning up in Star Wars?
3: Not particularly. The news wasn't all that forthcoming. It's just he's going to be in it. I can't say that I'm all that bothered. I agree with you. He's getting on a bit. The picture of him that they included in the article makes me think, yeah, you're right. He doesn't look like he'll know where he is. At this point... Doesn't move the needle very much.
2: I remember seeing him at a Star Trek convention some years ago. He was on a panel, the villains panel, basically. And one of the questions he was asked is, what was his favourite of his iconic lines? And he couldn't remember any of them. None of them. Not even Great Scott.
3: Oh, that's a shame.
2: His answer was, I don't remember any of my lines. (laughs) (laughs) He's past his best, let's put it that way. Next up, we are getting a sequel to Godzilla vs Kong. We talked a few months ago, I forget who with, about a TV series that they're setting in the MonsterVerse which will probably be a lot of people sitting around in sterile looking rooms, looking at screens, talking about monsters and that's what I've hated about every single one of these films, except from kong Skull island, which I found to be really good, actually. They're doing another one. It's going to film in Australia later this year. It's expected to film at Gold Coast and other locations in southeast Queensland, marking the third time that a MonsterVerse title is lensed in that region. It's currently untitled. There's no idea what it's about. Because it's a sequel to Godzilla vs. Kong doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be Godzilla vs. Kong again. I can't get excited about this franchise because they keep letting me down with it. I thought Godzilla vs. Kong was really boring, much to the point that It came out on streaming before cinemas reopened, shortly before cinemas reopened. And then when cinemas reopened, Cineworld were showing it in IMAX, and I didn't even want to go just to watch the fights because I knew the guff I'd have to sit through before getting there. (laughs) If they were showing the Godzilla vs. Kong brackets, just the fights cut, I might have went to see that.
3: (laughs) I haven't seen it. I enjoyed it skull island but i can't say i'm up to speed with everything in the monsters universe at the moment not a massive interest to me
2: so you haven't seen godzilla vs. kong i have not i wouldn't recommend it it doesn't sound great from what you've said <laughs> <laughs> next up back to netflix again christina ricci is set to star netflix's wednesday series in an undisclosed role she obviously played wednesday when she was younger this is a tim burton TV series in conjunction with the Smallville writers. The show stars Jenna Ortega as Wednesday, Jenna Ortega who
3: was in Scream recently.
2: You may recognize her from there.
3: I will. I don't recognize the name yet, but I will recognize her. She was in the opening scene. She opens the film.
2: She's the one on the phone that um, gets attacked early on. She's done a lot of like horror stuff, but this was interesting. Basically, she's. Solving supernatural problems while being at school. It's okay. that kind of setup. I quite like the idea of this. It's described as a sleuthing, supernaturally infused mystery. Christina Ricci is going to be in it. Catherine Zeta Jones is going to be in it as Morticia Adams. And lose Guzman is going to be Gomez Adams. It doesn't say who, as I said, Ricci will be
3: playing. But she's in there for the nostalgia, and I guess that fits the formula. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I'm quite interested in this
2: as an idea. Again, it might be aggressively mediocre, but Tim Burton's involvement along with the Smallville writers, they do really good prequel, but not really a prequel type stories. Right. So it might be
3: worth it. Sounds promising. Yeah. Enough interest for you to watch it. Are you keen on the Adams Family? Natalie's more of a sort of Addams Family, Tim Burton fan in this house. And for that reason, we might end up watching it. I think the fact that Christina Ricci's in it, Catherine zeta jones we like Louise Guzman. So there's probably enough there to draw us in. Stunt casting has worked. Yeah, exactly.
2: Okay, moving on. Betty Gilpin will star in the lead role of Damon Lindelof and Tara Hernandez's upcoming Peacock drama series, Mrs. Davis. The plot details are largely being kept under wraps, as is everything that Damon Lindelof does, beyond the fact that it will be an exploration of faith versus technology. To that end, Gilpin will play a nun who goes to battle against an all-powerful AI. Sounds interesting in concept. I tend to find that, in my experience, I haven't seen everything that he's written, Damon Lindelof's stuff tends to be not as clever as he thinks it (laughs) Let's put it that way.
3: Yes, I know that just under the JJ Abrams tier of enemies of the pod, (laughs) Lindelof probably comes up there quite often. I like Betty Gilpin. We've talked about Glow. I enjoyed her performance in that. The concept of this sounds kind of strange. Non faith versus technology. Not all that interesting. <laughs> Not enough detail really here. Maybe if I see a trailer, maybe I hear a bit more about this. I need to know more basically to, to form an opinion.
2: So what you're saying is Lindelof, stop keeping everything under wraps. We might be interested if we know what we're looking at here. Exactly. Damn you Lindelof. Up next we have another adaptation in the Transformers vein, etc. Voltron. A bidding war has erupted in Hollywood over Voltron. The mecha anime featuring a giant robot that amassed a popular following worldwide. Ross and Marshall Thurber, the filmmaker behind the Netflix hit Red Notice, because that's a selling point. (sighs) I've not seen it, but apparently it's not very good. But that's it. They're going to do a Voltron thing. People are fighting over it, apparently. Netflix is not in the running. Warner Brothers, Universal and Amazon are among the six or seven studios and streamers in the mix for the package. Someone will make it and they will spend a lot of money on it. I'm not huge on Voltron. I didn't grow up with it. I know the high level details of it. It's a bit like Transformers for me. It was in that era though wasn't it it was all that
3: around about the same time yeah it's kind of weird because it's a total blind spot for me it's odd to be so heavily into the transformers of the era and just have absolutely no interest or knowledge of voltron but that's as much as i know you'd think if i'm into transforming robots or big robots smacking each other then i should be into this i have no experience no exposure to this whatsoever Fair play.
2: The premise centred on five young pilots in a battalion named the Robot Lions, which are vehicles that join together to form a mega robot known as Voltron. Bit similar to Power Rangers in that respect. Yep. But I didn't watch Voltron, so I have no real connection to this, so it would be one of those I'll see a trailer eventually and think, I might watch this. It was like that with Transformers. Until I saw the trailer, I wasn't that interested in it. Then I've been intermittently interested and not interested ever since. Next up, the Scream sequel has a release date and the Bob Marley film, which is also in the same article for some reason. Apparently, a Scream sequel does not enough to merit its own webpage on deadline. (laughs) Scream sequel set for March 31st, 2023. So they're really rushing on this one they're really trying to get this out here very quickly they haven't really said much about but there's a rumor that courtney cox is going to come back i did say when i was on the real talk over and we made this episode about the latest scream movie and i think i said last month on the news pod as well with andrew that i would rather that they just let the old characters give it up now because how many times can they be in near fatal situations is there a place for
3: courtney cox and Dave campbell you're a fan of the franchise what's your view on it yeah, I, I do. I love the franchise. Love it as a whole. Love the most recent film. I think that them rushing out another one is kind of in the same vein as the original trilogy. I think those all came out quite close together. I agree with you. I think it's probably time to pass the torch and allow this new generation to carry on the Scream franchise. I mean, it's always great to see the legacy characters in there, but they kind of made that point. I feel like the thrust of the latest one covered a lot of that. And so I think it would be wise to leave it behind for plot reasons, because because you're right how many times can they go through it and because it would be good to have something fresh and they've proved that they can kind of reboot it and and move it on as well it's a slasher movie so it's a pretty straightforward concept as long as they keep up the clever writing the intelligent meta commentary on horror movies it should be able to keep going in another iteration
2: do you feel like the Scream franchise they should just make one every 15 20 years when there's been a movement in horror movies or do you think they should just keep churning them out (laughs)
3: I think that might well happen every time that there's a new era or something new to comment on that, yeah, we could be looking at the next Scream.
2: Although the fourth one didn't come out at a time where horror was doing anything particularly interesting in terms of doing something new. It was a bit of a throwback in the sense that slasher films weren't in vogue at the time. There was hardly any of them. They were relegated to the low-budget, straight-to-DVD type things with very few of them releasing the cinema, whereas Scream comes out against sequels that ignore Previous films like Halloween and stuff like that. So there is something to say there. And the film tackles that. It tackles the whole concept of, what did they call it? Requals, which is a term that I only heard in that Scream film. (laughs) I've never heard it outside of it.
3: Yeah, you're right. It wasn't like Ghostface became like jigsaw or something and went in for the whole torture porn era i think that was probably good my scream fandom probably would have fallen off there so i'm glad that it's gone the way it's gone i was really happy with the latest one so i'll be there when the next one comes out
2: well the fourth one didn't resonate with people probably for that reason because it wasn't really saying anything about horror at the time as such
3: true but i think there's enough in there about a celebration of real life violence and movie marathons and copycat Killers and that sort of thing. I suppose they did what they could with it. Maybe it took a few more years of requels, uh, as they call it, to really give them something to sink their teeth into, or knife for that matter. Yeah. Well, the
2: messaging in the fourth one was diluted, and I only saw the fourth one before I watched the fifth one because I went through them all. Oh yeah. Before watching the fifth one, I hadn't seen the fourth one before because I remember it came out at the time, and then a lot of people told me. It's not up to much. I wouldn't worry about catching it. And then I just didn't. I didn't prioritise it. And then it just left cinemas without me seeing it. So that was fine. And then I saw it before the fifth one and I just thought, yeah, this is fine. It was quite interesting to look at it as a snapshot of the time it came out because you had Hayden Panasher in it and so on. Popular actors in TV and breaking into film at the time who maybe aren't so popular now. But at the time, it's, I recognise you because you were in Stuff I was watching at the time. And it
3: almost was a kind of half... Passing the Torch. Sydney wasn't in it as much. (laughs) It was almost like it was the sort of dress rehearsal for this one where they could really say, okay, we've got a whole new cast. On you go.
2: But we're going to dilute this immediately in the sixth one by bringing back those old cast again for (laughs) contrived
3: reasons. Yeah,
2: We'll see. They've announced when it's coming out. I imagine that's the most work they've done on it. I imagine no one has an idea, which is always a great way to make films, isn't it? We've set a release date. Go. Get it done. (laughs) And someone has to come up with something. It's the same team though, so there's a yeah. chance that it'll be good. Up next, Evan Rachel Wood will star alongside Daniel Radcliffe in Weird, the Al Yankovic story. She will be playing Madonna.
3: That's about it. Yeah, similar sort of thoughts that we've already discussed on the other music biopic stuff. I like Weird Al. I like Madonna. Nothing else about this greatly excites me.
2: <laughs> At least Weird Al consents to this, I suppose. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a good start. Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al. I don't really like Daniel Radcliffe that much, so... I don't know how I feel about that.
3: I think it could be good. He's managed to move on from Harry Potter, I think, quite nicely. So I'd be willing to see his take, but it's definitely not like Scream where we've just talked about that and how I feel like I'm going to be there day one. I may see this at some point. That's
2: fair. Our last bit of news is the Suicide Squad breakout Daniela Melchior His latest to join the cast of Universal's Fast and Furious 10, which I believe today was announced to definitely be split into two parts. One of them coming out in 2023, the other one coming out presumably a year later. Jason Momoa recently became the first big addition to the cast, joining all the usual suspects that you would imagine plot details are unknown about the film but i imagine it will involve some ludicrous car stuff happening i'm not sure how much more ludicrous it can get at this point because they've already been to space
3: literally ludicrous he'll be there he'll be in cars
2: he will literally be there she's going to be in it i really liked her in the suicide squad is it going to be enough to make me like this film probably not i don't like these films very much (laughs) i just don't buy into the buffoonery to quote tommy lee jones I can't sanction their buffoonery.
3: (laughs) I also liked her in the Suicide Squad. Could be a tipping point where the Fast and the Furious, they've done what everyone joked about them doing. Where do they go from here? I'm not sure. It's one that I will go and see. I don't know if it's a day one kind of thing for me. I do enjoy the buffoonery, but it might be getting to the point of diminishing returns now. So (laughs) we'll see.
2: I feel like Vin Diesel drags these films down because of how strange he is. (laughs) The stuff he comes out with. This feud he has
3: with The Rock... I quite like how uncanny some of that stuff is. (laughs) Part of it is just the spectacle of what's even going on. What is this that we're watching now?
2: The feud between Vin Diesel and The Rock has gotten out of hand. I don't know how staged it is. I imagine it probably is. But Dwayne's latest rebuttal was, I'm not going to be back in these films. Stop saying it. And why are you dragging your kids into this? And all that stuff. I'm pretty sure over the coming months, they will announce that The Rock has gone to return for the last film. It will share (laughs) no scenes with Vin Diesel. That's a compromise. (laughs) How are they going to wrap up this franchise? Because it feels like every film wraps up the franchise. It always ends with them going back to the house, doesn't it? And having a barbecue.
3: Every film ends like that, pretty much. Yeah, pretty confident that they will be having a barbecue and drinking some Corona (laughs) at the end of it all. It's just how do they get there? It's all about the journey.
2: They'll cut to a CGI Paul Walker sitting opposite him on the table. (laughs) They just keep teasing that he's still around and still doing stuff, but it makes no sense that he's not there. (laughs) Other than you know that he can't be there because the actor's dead. But the films won't forget about him. They just keep talking about him as if he's there. Yeah, but don't worry, he's going to stay home. No, he wouldn't. I've said a lot about Fast and Furious, but good get for her. She'll get paid, which is nice. And she gets to be in a big franchise, which will hopefully lead to her getting other big franchises. I actually hope they'll do a Peacemaker-esque spin-off to the Suicide Squad with her in the lead. I would love to watch that.
3: Well, you know that I probably wouldn't, but if you want to watch it and they want to make it, go for it. I'm sure you would enjoy Peacemaker. It's a shame you'll never watch it. <laughs> so that is the end of our list. I'm sure
2: we've already been scooped on something huge as we've been talking, but that always happens. We'll pick it up next month like we always do with whoever it is next month. I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't selected a victim for next month, but thanks for joining for the March discussion. I hope you had fun. Telling me that you're not going to watch most of this stuff.
3: Well, thank you for having me. And even if you could have predicted a good two thirds of my input, I feel like we've achieved something by identifying Play-Doh as the new bar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to do is do what Lucasfilm do. And I'm just going to feed everything you've ever said into a piece of software so that I can just machine generate podcast responses. I'm going to do that with everybody, including myself, and then eventually I just won't have to do anything. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, i probably don't even have that many stock answers to these <laughs> well i'm pretty sure it could extrapolate the software would be like, he normally doesn't like this sort of stuff so we'll
2: make him say that <laughs> irrational interest in this this answer etc
3: <laughs> yes every now and again something spikes and you're just like why does he like that but not this <laughs> yeah. i'll just keep you on your toes
2: Keep them guessing. That was our discussion of March 2022's news and trailers. Thank you to Neil Stenson for the supplied music playing us out right now. It sounds great. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then please do hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any major podcasting app. It'll be on your feed. Just hit that subscribe button. I think on most of them now, you can rate an app. So if you can, please do it and leave us a comment. There's usually a number that goes with that rating. So, Angus, what's that number?
3: well contrary to popular belief five is actually the magic number it's
2: indeed the magic number especially for this podcast give us five and then rate us if you want to discuss anything we discussed here or anything really just hit us up on facebook or twitter under neil before blog or leave us a comment on neil and as always we'll catch you next time on neil before pod <laughs>